Hello, and welcome to the very first one-on-one podcast. My name is Zorro Daddy. Jeez, at least I hope it is. I'm wearing his shoes. And today, I will be going one-on-one with none other than author, blogger, ABDLer, podcaster, muncher, kinkster, friend, and oh so much more, Mako. Hello, Mako. Thank you, Zorro. Thanks for having me. Well, I thought to myself, if I wanted to go one-on-one with anyone, you're definitely the one. That's for sure. You've been around a couple of years. you got a few years under the belt, and you've got a wealth of experiences. And that actually kind of makes the checklist long. And that's <laughs> it does. Which is great, actually. It, it's fun that there are certain things on the list that we both do. And then there's yeah. some stuff that you do and some stuff that I do. And it's, it's all going to come together in whatever sort of a happy mess we're about to make. So the basic idea of a one-on-one podcast... I actually got this idea from, and this will be for some of the uh, Big Little Podcast fans out there, if I get it right. I believe it was episode 104. It was about writing age play erotica. I was was privileged to have been asked to be on that episode along with, I believe her name was Bella, Mm -hmm, was another mm -hmm. one, and then Mara, if I'm not mistaken. And then, well, of course, there was Makey, uh, Makey, Mako and Spacey as well. And Makey. People do that to us. People do that to us all the time. <laughs> Makey and Spacey. There you go. <laughs> so within that thing, if anybody's ever listened to the Big Little Podcast, they have this thing called the pinwheel, if I've called that correctly, or the pin list. Pin list. The right. pin list. And the, the basic idea, it's because you've got so much going on there. And like when you start in on a podcast, uh, folks kind of have to open up a little bit and it takes time to just to get rolling with things. So to get the juices flowing, they have something where if a topic doesn't foster a lot of conversation, they pull from the pin list. It makes very good sense. It sort of takes those moments where everybody's sort of pausing and thinking of something and it, it inserts more, um, just more content to it. So I took the pin list idea and yeah. robbed it. <laughs> but I call yes. this one, I call this one the checklist. So It's large. Like, you bet. There's, there's 32 things on here. Well, there's no way we're going to get to all 32. It's I know. This, this is what I love about it. Now, some of these things on this, on this list, Mako and I will see eye to eye on. But there are, in fact, other things on the checklist that we don't see eye to eye on. And that's the beauty of it. It will be a pleasure for us to both give our points of view about this topic or that topic without attacking each other. I kind of think sometimes, <laughs> well, it, I'll tell you the thing, like, I, I think sometimes the way people view others who don't see things the same as them is to view those people in the worst possible light. Wait, wait. Z, are you saying that people that disagree have an adversarial relationship in the adult baby and diaper liver community? Oh. That never happens. <laughs> no, th- th- that couldn't be possible. No, no way. I think that's kind of what makes um, this ABDL quadrant so fascinating. I have yet to meet two people who see it mm-hmm. the same way. And sure. So today we're actually going to – I guess you could call it a bit of a test – Mako and I are going to discuss different opinions from time to time without once calling for the guillotine. Right. Okay, unless it really gets to that point. Um, <laughs> but there are two big points that I'm going to bring up, and then we're just going to plow right into it. Uh, the first point Wait. is this. <clears throat> Drum roll, number one. Brrr. What you're going to hear in this podcast are our opinions only. Right. And I say it that way to lead right into point number two. We're not going to present our opinions as fact. People get 
really passionate sometimes, and they present their opinions with all the passion of their hearts. And they can come off as sounding like they believe their opinion is truth, even though that probably isn't what their intention was. So I just wanted to state up front, you could agree with what we have to say. You could disagree with what we have to say on this thing. We're just giving our opinion. I'll tell you what, years ago, I went to this uh, new media and sex educator conference called Catalyst Con. It was really awesome. And one of the things that I heard at Catalyst Con that really stuck with me, and I've made it a point to do this since I heard about it, is uh, one of the educators, Carol Queen, who's a genius, by the way, um, said that a way to speak inclusively when you talk about any social cohort or community or group of people is you don't talk about the behavior of the community because you can't because community is very large. Right. What you can say is you can say many, you can say most, you could say many people like uh, 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 creamy peanut butter, but you can't say <laughs> all people prefer creamy peanut butter. You right. can't say that because yeah. if there's one person that disagrees with you, you're freaking wrong. Absolutely. Right? Sometimes but, this happens. Sometimes it does. Yeah, things of that well, nature. Yeah. Right. And I and I think that people go out of their way to mishear sometimes uh, and, and, and put value judgment there that if you say a certain amount of people, a certain group of people do a thing and the person you're talking to doesn't, that they're somehow bad um, and different and bad are not the same thing. Yeah. And all and most are not the same thing. Absolutely. Like when uh, when somebody sends you a text message. Um, <laughs> if they send it to you in all capital letters, that's pretty right. much the same as shouting. Maybe. Even, maybe. Right. Like, like I remember a, I had a college professor who I, I didn't realize that the caps lock was on. And it, <laughs> this was back when email was a very new thing. I went to uh, Temple University back in 19. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and And here's the thing. Like, we didn't have. Cell phones, you know, we didn't have uh, internet at our fingertips. We didn't have internet in our dorm rooms. You had to go to the library just to get on internet. And there was like infoseek.com and Alta Vista and all of these. And oh, that is pretty dated. <laughs> yeah, 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 you bet. Like it, it was, it was fairly antiquated. Sadly, I would graduate Temple, and that's when they would upgrade. I'm not quite sure why that is, but in any <laughs> event, um, I, I once sent this to it was an anthropology professor, and she sends one back. She's like. Just to let you know, when you send a message that is all caps, it's just the same as shouting. And I thought, right. well, that's not really what I meant. But, and that actually will lead to something we talk about a bit later, mm. though that wasn't my intention, that is, in fact, how I was perceived. And I think a lot of folks, right. they don't grasp that. It doesn't mean they're wrong to not grasp it. It doesn't mean it right. even has to be important to you. But when, when somebody says, when I say, uh, Mako, uh, you're a Dorcas butt, and let's say you get offended, right? right? And, and, uh, and then I say, oh, no, 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 I was just joking. But let's say you were truly right. offended. Be like, it wasn't, right. I didn't really mean that. And like, I'm, what I'm doing is pouring my heart out, and I'm saying, hey, that wasn't my intention. But all that so, matters is how I was perceived. Right. Or, well, I don't want to say right. all that matters, but, you know. Right. I, you know what? That's a thing that I hit. All the time I on the podcast, in the advocacy I do with people, um, it's a thing I call the imply infer gap, right? Mm, like okay. what I imply when I say a thing and what you infer when you hear it 
don't have to be the same thing. They probably won't be. There's a gap between them. Like you can't guarantee that what you put out is received the way you want it. Here's right. the thing about that, though. Who's responsible for that? <laughs> both of us. We're sure. both responsible. If I'm like, hey, here's what I meant. And you're like, well, that's not what I heard. And I go, well, then you're an idiot. No, that's not how that works, right? Right, like, well, right. Because you said it this way, that's what I heard. Well, that's on me and on you. Like it, talking to someone, talking <laughs> talking with someone is like dancing. You, you know? <laughs> okay. You, you, someone's leading, someone's following, you're dancing around, you're getting somewhere. You know, otherwise you're just dragging somebody. <laughs> you bet. You know, I don't want to call that discourse, but like – the imply and infer. The neat thing about that, like what I find really intriguing is how, yes, I'll say something like this and folks would be like, well, Zorro, that wasn't, you know, that, that was completely just the wrong thing. And I'll be like, now, what do you mean? And more often than not, people will be like, well, because of blah, 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 point of view. And I just heard another point of view. I'm actually kind of glad that we have a very diverse collection of people that we're a part of right. i'm choosing not to use the term yet because it is one of the it's in the checklist but i, I might surprise you when we get there this this is what i'm looking forward to i'm glad that we're not all the same if we wound up just being a bunch of stormtroopers how much fun would that be right you know like the fact that you've got people who only really truly find interest in one little thing, it leads to things like these mommy and me classes at some of the conventions. And it leads to mm -hmm. things like Rhoda Lipscomb coming to TeddyCon and the, the little detective class out at CapCon. And I'm sure, you know, Abdulia has some and Lone Star and then even the West Coast is getting involved. Like there's all of these neat ideas that are brought to just because one person thought of it and a bunch of others liked it and they jumped sure. on. So it really throws a lot more vegetables into the salad, which is kind of funny. right. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, then I'll tell you what. Um, okay. Do you remember the McLaughlin group? Sure. Sure. I think the guy's name was Roger McLaughlin or something like that. Uh, he was uh, – it was this old fart who I loved. He was so much fun. And he always had this – it was a political talk show on – I think it was Sunday mornings is when they aired it. And he would have Morton Kondracki and Jack German, some sort of political uh, journalists and whatnot. And these would be the issues of the week. And the guy literally introduced every single issue like this. He would go, let me get back from the microphone a bit. He would go, <laughs> I know what you're going to do. Issue number one, should we be wearing pants or not? What is your answer, Morton Kondrakalaki? Like he would have this fun flavor to it that I found to be the most hysterical thing. I didn't even listen to what the answer was. But right. it was very, very entertaining. So I debated they, that. It's uh, like, it's like, should I do that this way? <laughs> they, they, they make amazing fun of that in the movie Watchmen. Uh, really? They, they have the McLaughlin guy on, and and he's talking to like Doctor Manhattan and the other or, or whatever the other superhero <laughs> people. He's like, he's like, you know, heroes menace or boon? Your opinion. <laughs> like it's so funny. Um, and I, I remember that thing because because. Because I'm old, too. <laughs> nah, nah. That's all in the mind. It's all in the mind. <laughs> well, then I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll, we'll do number one, and uh, yes. we'll go right into it. So I'll state what the item is, and then uh, you say something about it, and I'll say something about it. And if it leads to a lot more discussion, that's great. If not, we go right on to number two. Okay. All right. <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> there we go. Checklist item number one. Origins. So I suppose in the, you know, what the four letters are that sort of brought us together for this podcast and together in life, what is, uh, how did Mako begin? 
okay. Well, I was born a poor sharecropper. No, um, I love it. I love it. Horribly inappropriate. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, for me, so as a kid, I knew that I was different very early on. Uh, I want to say I was maybe five or six years old, and my dad had a very poorly hidden stash of dirty magazines. And uh, I found them, and there was a penthouse variations with the word spanking on the cover. And I was like, I'm interested. You know, I opened the thing up, and I started looking at it. And uh, you, you know how people say, like, marijuana is the gateway drug for every other thing? Right. Like, spanking was my gateway kink or fetish or whatever you want to say there for all this other stuff. I was like, that was my first thing. I was like, this is interesting. I'm going to read about this. This makes me feel funny in a way I can't quite elaborate because I'm freaking five. Um, but I know <laughs> I'm interested. I know I want to see people getting spanked. I want to be spanked. I want to hear about it. You know, if there's a lunchbox with people getting spanked on it, that's the lunchbox I want to put my sandwich in to go to school with. Um, <laughs> you know, although uh, I had a lot of shame about it, right? Um, oh, okay. I, oh, yeah. I, I, it was a secret. I, I couldn't talk about it. I thought it was something was perverted and dirty and bad. Okay. And that's relevant. Okay. Because it, it factors in later. Um, later on, so I, I have some formative experiences, which I mean, I could talk for an hour. I won't <laughs> uh, about, these, about these formative experiences, but eventually, okay. Eventually several years go by and then, um, my family, we were going to go overseas and, uh, we needed passports. And so my, my dad brought us to this passport office where you could get your passport in like an hour or two, which that doesn't happen anymore. No. Okay, this, was, this was a long time ago. Oh. And so we're all waiting in line in the passport office. And I was done first. So my mom, you know, gives me 20 bucks and says, you want to go get some comic books over at the newsstand around the corner? And I was like, yeah, sure. And off I go. I go into this newsstand and I've, I've got this 20. And uh, I see another Penthouse Variations there. Okay. And I, I want to say that I was like 13 at the time, certainly way too young to be buying this sort of magazine from this sort of fine establishment. <laughs> so I, I get myself two or three other comic books plus the thing. OK, and I want to say the total for the whole thing came to like 12 bucks or something, uh, maybe 15. I don't know. And I sandwich the magazine in between the comic books and slide it across the counter to this gentleman who, you know, he's looking at him, uh-huh, 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 right? And oh uh, I give him I give him the money I have, and, and, and he looks at me like he's about to say no, and I say, I don't need any change. Oh, my God. You Oh, that's so... Yeah. <laughs> and, right? right? You bought him. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. And he was like, he put everything into a brown paper bag for me and said... You enjoy your purchases, sir. And I said, <laughs> I will. Right. So then I go and I uh, you know, go into the bathroom in this government building and I'm looking at this magazine and I see a, a couple of interesting spanking letters in there. But then there was this other letter. OK. And I didn't get to see this other letter m until much, much later because uh, I, you know, I had to get back with my family. So I hide this magazine. I actually put the magazine down the back of my shirt 
okay, to hide it. You know, that's my cloak and dagger, you know, 13 year old maneuver for hiding a dirty magazine. There you go. Uh, and we, you know, finish our business, get in the car and drive several hours back to where we live. It's like torture. Uh, and eventually I get home and I'm, I get this thing out and I'm like, oh, yeah. And I start to look at it. OK. And the, the letter in this magazine, OK, what it was about was about this guy who goes on a blind date and he goes out with this girl. And it seems like a normal date. But then they get back to her apartment and she says, you know, hold on a second, you know, Billy or whatever. I'm going to go slip into a something more comfortable. And what the something more comfortable turned out to be when she came back out was a baby doll, nighty, and a diaper. And in the letter, the guy was like making fun of me. He was like, that's the strangest thing I ever heard of. But in my head, it was like the hallelujah chorus played. Oh, I was like, you bet. No, you bet. That's the best thing I ever heard. Okay. And I was like, I'm in, buddy. That's what I want. You know, uh, on them, on me, I don't care. Bring it. Okay. Still burned with shame. Um, many more years go by. I get off to college. I start dating this girl. And I, I haven't told anybody about this stuff at all. Okay. Right. Well, it's not 100% true. Uh, it's been very isolated. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Right. We can ask about that later if you really want to. <laughs> Okay, but so so I tell my uh, well, so my uh, I have this fiance and she's domineering, which is not the same as dominant. It's not even a good substitute for dominant. <laughs> and she goes on a very long trip, okay, this like month long vacation uh, that her parents get for her when she graduates from college to a foreign country, and I'm home. And while I'm home, I'm like, you know what, things aren't right in our relationship. I'm going to test this out. And see if this thing that I've been harboring in my heart and deep in the secret recesses of my of myself, I'm going to go see if this is really for me. So I go and I see these pro dom mommies who diaper me and spank me and do other things to me. And it was great. It was so great. <laughs> oh I was like, God. yes, yes, this is for me. Yes. I was like, I have to have this. And so then and this was early in her being away. So then I, ha I get, I've got the diapers and I live in the diapers and do all the things you're going to do in the diapers. Pretty much when I'm not at work, I'm home doing that. Uh, and when she gets back, I I've got some left over. And late one night after she, you know, is first home, I tell her about it and it didn't go well. <laughs> right. Uh, and we were done. And thank goodness for that. Cause it kind of changed my life for the better. Cause I, I made this commitment to myself, like that this is the life I want to live. And that that thing where like I burn in shame, pfft, screw that. Um, and I had some early friends who were involved with Jerry Springer and they. Oh, yes. Got, and they and they were shamed by him. And it yep. was filmed one way and edited a different way. And I was mm. like, nope, not on my watch. And that kind of launched me on this long career of having a big mouth and talking about this stuff to other people to help them. That's basically my origin story. That was awesome. Thanks. <laughs> and I, I think I know exactly who you're talking about when it comes to that Jerry Springer episode too. Mm, I bet you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wonderful individual. And uh, uh, there's a level of, I want to say altruism to that, and I'd like to say that I share in that. I I don't believe myself to be as good at it, but you're, mm -hmm. you you really look at this and you're like, you know what? There really wasn't much. You had to like slide a magazine in between a bunch of other comics just to get something from it. 
And nowadays, right. like you Google the term, it's all over the place. And it's everywhere. Yeah, it, it, that's because of the growth of, of the internet, certainly. But growth mm-hmm. of the internet came from people, people like you, sure, who have added well, to I mean, it. You know, I mean, listen, I really appreciate that. Um, I'll tell you one of the things that I do like struggle with at times, which is um, I struggle with whether the advocacy I'm still doing and the energy and passion I put into it, whether it's still relevant. Um, if I'm, you know, is my work done here? Am I still needed? Because um, there's plenty of other people who are doing what I do and do it as well or better than I do. Um, so, you know, maybe, maybe I can put my feet up, you know, and and have a have a drink and relax. Well, yeah. I mean, my opinion, once again, it's an opinion. Is it relevant? The answer is yes. I've actually heard Bitter Gray say the exact same thing. Uh, mm. But Rhoda Lipscomb, who, who actually is writing, I don't want to say a dissertation, she's writing something about it. She's like, you know, like all over his website. She's in discussions with him. And if he hadn't kept that up, she wouldn't right. have that wonderful resource. And the nice thing is, this is one podcast, which quite honestly, like has like what, like not even a tenth of one episode to it yet, you know, at this very moment. <laughs> but how many podcasts are there? There's... uh, uh there is uh, well, there's the big little podcast, the granddaddy of them all. Um, th- there's Dream a Little. I'm, I know I'm yep. gonna miss a bunch of them here. There's the ABDL cast. There is um, uh, what's the yeah. one you were just on with? Um, oh, uh, there's it, Love and Brief. The, Love and Brief. I know there's some other big ones. Did I say Dream a Little? You well, did. Well, if I did, I'll say it again. Dream a Little again. <laughs> uh, uh, the Crinkle Cast. Right. Um. Uh, mi- uh, mi- uh, Middle America, I believe it's what it was. I, uh, can, oh, I can really? See, I could see the guy's face. Middle America Littles. Like, he's actually done um, one there at, at TeddyCon and also at CapCon. Awesome. But, yeah, in any event, there's more than that. So, like, Right. I mean, it's a growing field. Yeah. And you're going to have some folks who are doing it that are, um, that are uh, you know, in their early 20s. There, you're gonna have sure. some, you're gonna have some midlifers. You're, you're gonna have uh, some of us with a few a few years under our belt, and right. it's all relevant. Uh, one of the two um, uh, creators of DPF mm-hmm. uh, started out as I believe it was Diaper Pale Fraternity, and then it turned into Diaper Pale Friends. One of those right. two individuals actually still comes to uh, some of the conventions. We see him every now and again. That's um, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it's not Tommy. I do believe Tommy has passed on. May he rest in peace. Right. But it's the other one. Like this is a guy. Like any time he's there, I was like, I want you in a class. Why? Yeah. Because you have knowledge like people don't know. You know. Right. And, and there's a wealth of it. There's truly a wealth of it. So is it relevant? Yes. Uh, does it always you know reach out to someone? Yes. And I'll tell you why. There's a guy. Okay. And and I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say his username because honestly I don't remember it. But his name is Bill. He's in his early 60s. This goes back, uh, let me say 2015, at, at Capcom 2015, which would be their fifth one. The Strive mm-hmm. for Five, as, as they call it. Um, and I, I run into this guy, and I sat down and I talked with him, and he explained how, um, you know, he's only been recently coming out to these things, but he felt it for a long time. And the reason why is because way back at the beginning of his marriage uh, with his wife, which, had, which was, you know, upwards of 40 years at that point, he said something to her, and she's like, yeah, that's not my thing. And uh, mm. shortly thereafter, she got pregnant and they started a family. And they would have discussions, but it would never interfere with family. Well, all the kids right. had grown up at this point, and 
she never she never said you know you may not think this way whatever he just never acted on it and that was his decision and sure and now that they're into the grandparent years now they're mm. tail end of their 60s now but now that they're into the grandparent years he's starting to go out to these things and here's the really cool thing about it no she she doesn't attend she doesn't want mm-hmm. to go, and that's fine. But she will take him out and buy him outfits to wear to these things. Nice. And, and she's very, very supportive of it. Why? Because, hey, we're going to have a family. We got married. Here's the, what it is. And that's going to be the priority, and that's the priority they chose. Right. That guy right there, if he didn't have big little podcasts to listen to, if you had that's put fair. your feet up. You know, it's, so I kind of think that the relevancy is always there. There are moments when maybe not as many people listen. Or sure. maybe not as many people know, like Mako, who's that? It, that's the question. That That's sort of like, <laughs> who were the Beatles? I oh look God, at people sometimes, please, I'm like, no. seriously? Because so, there is a truth to it. it. It's There's a relevance, and it always exists. It's a great thing. I mean, I'll tell you a funny thing about it. A, a couple of funny things. Okay, so our, our schedule for the Big Little Podcast has really changed over the years. When we first started going about six years ago, um, it was an episode a week, and we were like banging them out like thunder, right? right so in right. our first year, we had 52 of them, um, and that got slower and slower and slower. We're up in the hundreds now, and it's yeah. the podcast is six years old. Um, and I used to obsess about the numbers, okay? And I'm very proud of this that in that first year, those 52 episodes, they were downloaded over 875,000 times. Yeah. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean one DL does not equal one DL. You know what I'm saying? There's not a butt in a diaper listening for every download. That's not true. Sure, Um, sure. um, But it is a lot of people, okay? Yeah. Um, Once we hit that, like brother and I, Spacey and I, we looked at each other and we were kind of like, okay, that's great. We, We got over that hill. Do we care anymore? And we decided that we didn't. That, that the reason why we do the podcast isn't to uh, be the biggest, shiniest shark in the ocean. It's to it's because the, of the work that we're doing um, mm. and, the, and because the work matters. Um, there's uh, there's this listener and I've talked about her before on, on the Big Little Podcast from South Africa. OK, and that we yeah. we were doing the show and we were like five, six episodes in or whatever. We get this email from her. And, and and she writes to us and says, you know, I stumbled across your podcast. I just started listening. And I got to tell you that, like, for the past six months, I've been homeless and couch surfing, moving from friend's house to friend's house. And, like, for the 35 some odd minutes or whatever that I was listening to the show the other day, like, I was home. And it kind of, like, punched me right in my brain that this thing that I did could reach around the planet and help somebody. And e- even now – even now that we record like monthly and sometimes every other or every third or every fourth month, like, cause we've had some shit in our lives. Okay. Sure. sure. I still on the regular get emails from people that are kind of like that, that say, um, you know, you saved my marriage or, um, I didn't kill myself because I heard something you said and realized I'm okay. And like, that's what it's about. There's your um, relevance right there. Yeah. Right. But, which is why I'm going to do this till I'm, you know, dead. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> at which point you'll be at 1,244 episodes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's kind of nauseating to contemplate. Yeah. Well, already. Um, what about your origin? Oh, yeah. I guess I should answer it, too. 
What yeah. what dingbat told me to host this thing? Goodness gracious. I, I'm not qualified for this. I'll write you a story. You're leading something. We'll see here. My origin, I could I could actually also give a 20-minute story about yeah. it. But ultimately, the thought of it, the idea of, of what I like to call the daddy-tude, which mm. didn't come from that commercial where they use it now. Okay, I used it years ago. <laughs> no. Sure. Um, I was in third grade and uh, tail end of that year, on my birthday, March 8th, uh, a, we had a new student who came in and, well, th- this year was a little different, but normally winter ends when February ends. So things were a little mm-hmm. cold and a little rainy in March, but it, it wasn't winter anymore. And this girl comes in and she has on like this tiny little, like it was like a summer dress and mm-hmm. fast forwarding through it. Cause I could give you a boatload of, of details. She had about five or six outfits and it was extremely horrible to see that. And she was extraordinarily shy. Well, I walk up to her because she's sitting there at the first recess. It had to be indoors because it was raining that day. And I go up and I just sit down to her and I just keep talking to her until she finally looks up and says something. When I tell you crazy shy, she really didn't have a whole lot of friends. That was kindergarten, first, second, and third grade because I was this yeah. was her fourth year of school. This was the sixth school she had been in. She was in one of those, she had one of those families that were dirt poor. And when you saw how the girl mm. dressed, you understood. Um. In addition to that, she was shy because she was incontinent. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. she would tell me that, and I, I didn't really understand what the word meant till I went home and looked it up in the dictionary. Mm-hmm. What, in, incontinent? So it's like inside the North America? No, no, that, that's not <laughs> wow. what it means. So, so at that point, I figured it out, and the girl was, in fact, diapered. They didn't have pull-ups back then. It was a diaper. And yeah. uh, that she would have accidents at points in time. And it, by the end of that first day, the, uh, some, some of the classmates figured it out, and they teased her mercilessly like, oh. to, to the point where they were shoving her around on the playground. And I was, in fact, her only friend. And I actually got myself into trouble at one point. These people that I called my friends, I recall it was on third base. This would have been in the mm-hmm. middle of April. And uh, the teacher's always the guy who pitches the ball. So he pitches the ball. We're playing kickball. And the ball is kicked, and I'm supposed to run home, but I beeline it straight over to the other side of the playground where I see these kids in a circle shoving someone, and I know what they're doing. I burst uh-huh. into the middle, and they were messing with her. I was like, leave her alone. And this kid says to me, oh, yeah, what are you going to do about it? I turn around, and it was John David. John David mm-hmm. was our class bully, and he shoved me to the ground. And it's one of the few times in my life I've seen red. I got up, and I popped him in the face as hard as I possibly could with my nine-year-old arm. I didn't, nice. I, I, I didn't cause any problems. His nose was bleeding. His upper lip was bleeding. But you heard the pop of me punching him, and then you heard his, uh, his skull bouncing off in the macadam twice. Oh, then, God. Then teaches over, Nathan, how dare you do this horrible thing, blah, blah, blah. And I'm already crying. I'm looking at him thinking, why didn't you do something when you saw them? You were standing 10 feet away. This girl was in the middle of this circle. Why didn't you do something when they were picking on her? Like, that mm. is the origin of bullying that leads to some horrible shit that happens nowadays. And I'm not even going to say what it is. Okay? Oh, yeah. That is like like a dinosaur example of it. Okay? But sure, this is sure. what it can lead to. You know? Like, in any event, uh, nobody would mess with her again. At least not when I was there. <laughs> Good. Uh, and uh, I remember the last day of school that year was June 11th, whatever. Um, we gave each other a hug, and she gets on the bus, and uh, we, we and uh, she waves and then she blows me a kiss, and I catch it, and I stick it in my pocket. And that's the last time I ever saw her. Oh. That summer, she would move away. And believe me, I've looked. I have looked. I even went back to that uh, elementary school. I went back to it. 
But back then, it was like 1984, 85, something mm-hmm. like that. They didn't have computers. You know, everything right. was in paperwork, and they had built a new school, and a lot of the stuff was lost. So it was as if this girl didn't even exist. Back then, they took pictures in the fall. Nowadays, they do pictures in the fall and then in the spring. And you get a class picture. You get a miniature of everybody in the class, but she wasn't there in the fall. So there's not even huh. a visual record. It was like she didn't exist. But what I, wow. what I always remembered from that was the daddy-tude. I right. didn't know that that was what it meant. But when I, you know, turned 12 and 13 and all of a sudden I was like, oh, girls, females. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I just woke up. Puberty. Here we go. You know, like when you hit that right. moment of, whoa, okay, you're not just uh, instantaneously. That's yeah. exactly what I dressed them in. Strangely enough, right. do whatever. And I would discover ABDL online at uh, college when I did a an internet right. search and found PDF first and some right. other, some other websites I won't name. <laughs> sure. Cause you and I will both cringe. Uh, but <laughs> there, there was AB, ABY and then just a bunch of other ones. And then there was diaper space and then there was all these other ones and it leads up to fed life, fed life and what we have nowadays. But yeah. that essentially was the origin to it. Everything built off of having met that girl in third grade. I think one of the things that's fascinating to me about your origin story and mine and sort of like, tumbling the pieces to look at what's the same as there's a thing i think we have done that a lot of age players have done notice i didn't say all okay. <laughs> um, nicely done <laughs> where, right where uh, and so artfully not drawn attention to either yes um, <laughs> right um where where like we take elements of our of our childhood of our pro- of, of, of earlier in our life right. hang on to them and bring them forward right right um because it's not that you want to diddle some third grader. That's not it, right? right? Yeah. It's you have these feelings of protectiveness yep. and affection aroused in you that stayed with you, so that it's become sort of your affection default. I love, I love that default. I just want to admit to everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's that's funny. very I'll true. That's very true. I, and I get it, right? Because. So when I first started out, I remember one of the things that I had said about myself was, all right, so I got the spanking thing, right? Okay. Strange, but not horrible. Oh, now I got this diaper thing. Uh, Okay, fine, right? And then I was like, when I made the decision to embrace it and get out there, I was like, fine, here's what I am. I'm a cisgender, uh, straight. uh, I like spanking. I like diapers. I'm an ABDL. This is what I am. This is the box. This is the box I'm in. That's what it is. Uh, That's the only thing I am. I'm never going to be any other thing. You know, this is it. Right. Right. Uh, Yeah. Oh, bullshit. Um, Yeah. So many of those things have enhanced or grown or changed or withered over time. Um, uh, I'm not straight. I'm like this other thing that's hard (laughs) to explain. Uh, I have partners of different genders. It doesn't make me bisexual um, because I am not unilaterally bi for everybody. Like I like what I like, how I like it, with whom I like it. And some of my partners are guys and some of my partners are girls. And that's just fine. You um, bet. You bet. I'm make a, make a sexual. Uh, <laughs> I, I, 
I'm not uh, I'm not exclusively a diaper fetishist anymore. I'm not exclusively little. I switch. Uh, sometimes I'm a top. Um, I, I'm very particular in the style of way that I top other people. Uh, I'm no degradation. I'm not going to tell anyone that they're stupid and useless, but I might scold them for wetting their pants and then you know smack their butt and put them sure. in a diaper because that's fun and hot and loving, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and all of those things you know, mixed together. And anytime I have said to myself in my life, this is all that I am and I'm not going to change. Um, it's like a, a giant thunderbolt comes down from the heavens and just knocks me over and goes, oh yeah, try this. Oh yeah. How about that? Here's a change of circumstance for you. Here's a new thing. Right. Well, okay. So that actually leads into number two. <laughs> okay. Checklist item number two. Right. What is something that most people do not know about you? Hmm. Okay. Okay. I thought about this one for a while <laughs> and this is a toughie um, because I sound like this gregarious extroverted uh, big mouth, um, which is somewhat true. Um, I actually hate crowds. Really? Really hate them, loathe them, can't stand to be in them. In front of a small crowd, I'm your guy. In a big crowd, can't stand them. Um, wow. Times Square makes me physically ill. Um, <laughs> I'll go. I'll go to a rock concert and have an okay time, depending on the venue and what it is and where it is. But like, there's that moment when everyone goes to the parking lot and then they all run and like that to me is hell. Um, I would rather just sit. I, I'd, I'd rather leave before the finale and get the hell out. Or stay and let the whole thing go through, and I'll just be last, like, three hours later. That's fine. I'll have another beer and a hot dog. I don't care. Um, then, then be in the middle of that press. I'm incredibly claustrophobic about crowds. Wow. I Yeah. Jeez, I never would have guessed it. Mine isn't nearly as cool as that. I wouldn't <laughs> say it's cool. It feels kind of like a horrible handicap to me, but go ahead. What's yours? Um. Well, uh, I'm not um, a fan of BDSM. Now, that doesn't mean I'm a, it doesn't mean I'm a hater of it. And a, a lot of folks know that. Uh, even though I do write books that are ABDL and BDSM combined, a lot of what I well, not a lot, some of what I write is dark. And sure. actually, those are the ones I tend to get the most emails about. Most interestingly enough, I once wrote a book called The Voice. And with mm -hmm. the exception of Zeke and Lily, like I've gotten more emails about that one story and it was like hideous. As I, as I was writing it, like I literally had to stop because of the reason why I don't like BDSM. I have a weak stomach. Interesting. It's to the point when people, when people get into an argument, like it mm -hmm. upsets my stomach. I was, yeah. I, I, I always say the joke. I was born colic. I had that stomach condition and <laughs> I never got any better. Like <laughs> literally two days ago at work, uh, mm -hmm. the boss uh, got into a heated discussion, to say the least, with uh, with one of the employees there. And I literally had to walk out of the room like, sure. like, like I, I can't get hot wings. I can't get anything. I have to be careful with pepper. Like it's which is why it's good. I live in Lancaster County. It's bland Amish food, you know, <laughs> but that is, in it's fact, so the fun. reason why um, uh -huh. I can't. The reason why I don't like BDSM, it's because I can't do it and I can't be around it. If I can witness it from a distance, which is why Fetfest worked, because I could mm -hmm. stand on the other side of that village and 
watch somebody donating their you know rear end skin way over there, and I was fine with it because I didn't have to be right there. I didn't have to hear the slap. So but I can't ever be. I can't be close to it at all, and that's the reason why. I, I, you know, we're going to have our first disagreement now, but it's going to be a, poli- a polite. All word. right, all right, let's do it. Let's um, do it. Here, so here's the funny thing, right? Um, many years ago, I had a party at my house, and this guy who's kind of problematic was one of the guests and he said this thing and i'm not talking about z this is not zorro okay (laughs) okay you know for years i mean i assume if you're listening to this you're you're one of us whatever but there's been this large divide in the community right between the i'm pure and innocent i'm an age player i don't do sexual things and the let's get it on you know put the hand (laughs) down the diaper you know it's all dirty group right. and just the fact that that people even say that that's a division is also kind of nonsense but we'll get into that later right um right. but so so this guy okay who did believe in that division makes this very inflammatory statement uh to, to me and my my ex-wife at the time you know in our home as we're hosting this party says says you know i can't stand all you bdsm people because all you ever want to do is hit people it's oh, all just hitting geez. right it's all about pain and suffering, and y'all just want to hit me. And I turned to the guy and I said, name redacted, I have no, A, that's not how it is, and B, I have no desire to touch you in any way. You know, I, I don't want to stroke your face, never mind slap your ass, okay, because you've reduced me to a, a one-hit note, like literally, okay? Um, yeah, that's true. Okay, so BDSM, let's, let's break it down, okay? Okay. Uh, four letters, six words. Right. Bondage and di- bondage and discipline. Right. Dominance and submission. Right. Sadomasochism or sadism and masochism. Right. You know, it's if it's hyphenated, is it two words? I, I don't know. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um. Bondage doesn't hurt. Doesn't have to hurt. You can make it hurt. Doesn't have to. Right. Uh, dis- discipline is about authority. Um. When a very nice daddy tells a very nice diapered little girl that it's time to go to bed and puts her to bed, guess what, motherfucker? That's discipline. <laughs> okay? Uh, okay? Dominance and submission, kind of the same deal. Okay? When my mommy tells me it's bedtime and I say, yes, mommy, and I listen to her and go to bed, I'm submitting to her and she's dominating me. When she tells me that uh, I don't get to change my own diaper – uh, which I don't. Yeah, that's domination, right? And hmm. sadomasochism is pleasure through giving and receiving pain or intense stimulation. But um, intense stimulation does not necessarily mean pain. One of the kinds of play that I like to do uh, and that I think I'm damn well good at because I've done it a lot is hot wax play where you lay someone on a table and you heat up hot wax and you drip it onto them from a certain height, okay? And depending on how high up that is and the color of the wax and the composition of the wax, it can either hurt like a son of a bitch or feel like a gentle, warm rain. Okay. So, Dora, I will say to you that you could come down to D.C. and go to the Crucible with me and that you and I could together pour hot wax all over some nice person and then run our hands all over that person who enjoys the sensation of being touched and having the wax peeled away, and that would be a fun time. I'll further say to you that you could be that person getting the wax put on them and enjoy it too, and I bet you would dig it. 
you know, I never really, I, I guess just because I, I have always steered clear of it. I never really paused to think right. of how that's very truthful. So I will say I stand educated or, or perhaps re-educated. That might be fun right. too. That's true. It doesn't have to be something where within my mind it's like, Oh yes, butt whooping. You know, right, I, right. I, I can't fathom that if I was a guest in your house that I would ever uh, make such a bold statement to the host, to, you know. <laughs> I, well, you're a nice, polite person. But yeah, right? right. And, and perhaps, perhaps that's a good example. Perhaps that gentleman, you know, or, or that lady had uh, an opinion and just, it sort of came out in a very passionate fashion. Right. You know, perhaps that person didn't quite mean it that way, but uh, that's certainly what it sounds like. That's, that's, you know, that's a very hold, hold good point. up for you. Yeah. Man. Oh, my. <laughs> oh. You have no idea how that makes it so much sweeter to me all of a sudden, but nevertheless. Okay, so you either have to edit that out or we have to explain. I, I, I just threw a surreptitious means of showing him a name on a piece of paper. Well, you're giving it away now. <laughs> but we're polite, so we're just going to move yes, on. Yes, sounds good. Well, alrighty. Uh, uh Here we go. So this next one actually won't be very long. Uh, okay. Checklist item number three, because our answer is only three words, possibly four if you put an and in there. Are you ready? What are three words that do not describe you? Uh, let's see. This is not an easy one. Um, okay. Okay. Um, vanilla. Ah, that's one. okay. That makes good sense. Uh, let's see. What's another one? Um, hateful. There we go. I don't, I don't hate anybody. Um, all right. This one's a little stretchy. Like it's going to make for some woo conversation. Um, <laughs> I'm not a theist. Do tell a theist. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, let's 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 do the hard one first. Okay. Um, a theist is someone who believes in God, but I'm not an atheist either. Okay. okay. Now you okay. go what what right? <laughs> okay. Right. So let me break it down. Okay. So there's there's a theist, which is just like a regular traditional. There's a God. I believe in them. Whatever religious person, a Jew, a Christian, a Muslim, whatever. Okay. Um, right. There's an atheist who says no. That's not how it is. There's no God. You know, screw you. I'm not that either. Although I used to be. A uh, a monotheist believes in one. A polytheist believes in many. I, my friend, am a non-theist. A non uh, and a particular flavor of non-theist called a Taoist. Uh, ah, I practice. Okay. I've practiced Taoism for over 15 years now. When people ask me uh, if there's a God, I do have an answer. It, go ahead, ask. What are three? Is there Right, right. No. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Is there a God? Is there a God? My answer is, would you like some tea? It doesn't matter. Uh, it's okay. incompatible. To, to use like an age-playing kind of toddler answer, it's like trying to play a grilled cheese sandwich in a VCR. They're just <laughs> incompatible ideas, okay? Right. Um, and why is that relevant in a one-on-one -on -one podcast about age play and us? Um, it's relevant because of an idea that's inherent to the way that I help people. As a non-theist, I believe that this moment is the only moment, and this place is the only place. And that actually, the idea that like Zorro and I, and you, faithful listener, and I, 
that the idea that we're separate people is a lie and an illusion mm. that actually we're all part of the same one thing, the universe, expressing itself as it does, where it does, how it does, you know, over where Zora was sitting it expresses itself drinking some Turkey Hill iced tea you bet. over where I am sitting. You know, it's obsessed with sharks and, and the universe requires everyone and everything just the way it is, um, which is why this gets back to my other two words, why I'm not hateful, because if I hated any other person, I'd be hating myself and I don't. And I'm not vanilla. But at the same time, weirdly, because I'm everyone and they're me, I also am vanilla. Um I'm everyone and I'm no one. I'm everything and I'm nothing. I kind of love everybody, which is why I always want to help everybody. Wow. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. my answers are going to suck, man. Thanks a lot. Jeez. <laughs> oh. Well, gosh. How do I follow that up? <laughs> Just directly. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Three words that do not describe me. Uh, the first one is facade. Mm. What you see is what you get. It I've always loved that for you. It, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm an open book, but at the same time, what you think of me is probably the case, more often than not. You know, the the second word is cheat. I've had situations which I will not go into in this podcast where I wound up on the short end of a stick, and uh, well, soon enough it'll be paid off. But I don't cheat. I don't walk away from that. I don't run away from that. It It is mm. something that I accept. There is no cheating. And uh, I guess the last one, which is sort of like the, the second one there, is lie. And aside from a couple times I lied to my grandmother because she was too old to need to know everything. There is there is value to sure. that. Um, this is – when I botch something up, and I do it every mm -hmm. day, I'll say, hey, listen, you know what? I screwed up. Sure. The real truth is nobody cares after that. The thing is, if let's say I, I drive down to where you live and I punch you in the face and then I turn around <laughs> and I get on FetLife and I say, I have never punched Mako in the face. OK, I'm lying, especially right. if there are witnesses and if they just heard that I said I was going to do that. Let me give you a baseball. Yeah, It's not really a parallel. But in any event, back at the tail end of the 90s, they had mm -hmm. um a lot of problems with human growth hormone scandals. It was it was a drug scandal. Everybody was taking this stuff, and they were. That was back when the Roger Maris's home run uh, hitting record was broken, and all these huge people. Mark, uh, oh my gosh, Fred Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire, uh, Sammy Sosa, just a bunch of them. But pitchers were taking it too. Everybody was taking it, and when it finally came out, this hurt baseball in a manner you could not possibly imagine. One of the first people to step forward and say, "You know what? You're right. I did it." Was Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa, mm -hmm. I think he was Chicago Cubs, if I'm not mistaken. And he flat out did it, and nobody holds it against him. Mm -hmm. He just said, you know what? I did. Because Sammy Sosa suddenly was like a home run hitting, you know. You know. Monster. Yeah, right? right. Now, another one, and I, I hate to put him on blast because he is a phenomenal athlete. But to this day, Roger Clemens, who went from just being muscular to being Hulk Hogan inside right. of like one season, to this day – uh, you see, pressed lawsuits of defamation of character and whatnot. You know, you'd really have to be lifting weights 48 hours a day, <laughs> 10 days a week, and 29 months a year to be able to go from just the size that he was to the size that he became. It, it extended his career. 
It's kind of obvious. Barry Bonds admitted to it. A lot of these things. Now, here's the reason why I say all of this. Sammy Sosa didn't lie. And everybody loves him. Roger Clemens, though, I'm not going to call him a liar. Okay. At the same time, uh, there's strong evidence to, to, to suggest otherwise. Reason and logic would let you say, okay, yeah, he probably took it. But because he never admitted to it, people have a bone to pick with him. There's no yeah. sense in lying because you know what? I screwed up. And you know what else? Well, you know, Everybody screws up. It's not a big deal. I'll tell you what I find interesting about that too. Okay. So first off, uh, uh, yeah, not that I need to validate the three words you pick about yourself or whatever, but uh, <laughs> I, I totally do. I, I, okay. So a funny Zorro story. From the very first time I met you, which was a really long time ago, oh, right? Yeah. I remember someone saying to me, like you didn't say it, but someone said, that's the guy that writes the books. And I was like, oh, okay, right? But I wanted to ask you about it because I author as well, right? But I didn't because I didn't want to make like a social event into like a work thing, whatever. <laughs> um, right. But I remember uh, it was it was one of the first uh, uh, Capcons I went to. You and I had been talking about something, and, and it, it made you have an idea. And you went, excuse me for a minute. And you pulled this little notebook oh. out of your Right? Yeah. Do you remember? The notebook in the back pocket. Oh, jeez. Right. He pulled this notebook out of his pocket, and his eyes, like, kind of glazed over, and suddenly he was no longer in the same place that I was. <laughs> I remember and that. And he was just madly <laughs> scribbling. Blah, 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 this is the idea. This is the thing. And I was like, yeah, I like this guy. <laughs> this, you know, oh, like, yeah, you, this, the person you get, it, it, the, the person you see is the person you get. They are the same person, which is great. Right. There's another thing that you made me think of too, right? And it's – I don't think that – like not telling your grandmother that you like to put a diaper on a woman is is a lie. Um, I think it's a uh, selective telling of truth maybe. Well, yeah. Let me let me give a little more information on that one. Grandma never knew. Um, sure. Uh, what it was that I didn't want to tell grandma was that her son, my father, had been mm-hmm. diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Sure. Okay. It, so, so that was the thing. It's like as she got older and older and older, there were things mm-hmm. like uh, she was like, well, what are we going to do about this? She was still there. She knew us, but th- right. there was this importance to keep a safety net around her. You know, the, what does this cost? Blah, 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 blah. And, and is everything okay with the car? And dad, uh, her son, would say, oh, no, it's fine, mother. Well, heck no. There was all kinds of problems with her car. And we, right. we took it to a mechanic in the middle of the night so she wouldn't even see it gone and whatnot. Right. We, we were, in fact, like I viewed it as lying to her, but for a very right. good reason. That sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's tough, right? Um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, you know, I don't uh, – I try really hard to be honest in everything that I do, but I'm not going to tell you I don't little white lie it every once in a while. There's a – oh, what's the word? Uh, it's a Taoist thing. It might be a Buddhist thing. It's called Maitri. Maitri is loving compassion for the self and others. Like it's that you accept that you are a flawed, imperfect thing, which means that then you are also able to accept that everyone else is also a flawed and imperfect thing. Sure. You know, yeah. sometimes that's just going to happen. You know, and I, I think that that's really relevant because I know that like in our community, oh, I said the word. In yeah. Our community, <laughs> In, in our community, I know that a lot of age players, myself included, have struggled with that. I want to be okay with this thing that I am, sure. right? Sure. 
And I think that it's okay to feel hesitancy about it. It's okay to feel unsure and that where your compassion and love for yourself comes from is making a conscious choice to embrace it. Right. And to not have to please everybody. I think that there's a really big difference between a thing that's a secret, which is shameful, and a thing that is private. When you go to Domino's and order, you know, the meat lover's pizza with extra pepperoni on it, you don't go to pick it up and go, I'm here for my pizza. I wear diapers. I have a spanking fetish. Here's my money. You Hold go, on Give a me second. My pizza, dude. Right? <laughs> Hold on. Can, can I insert food metaphor? Yeah, yeah food sure. Metaphor. <laughs> I, I do talk in food metaphors. Hey, that works. That works. Do, do you know why I talk in food metaphors? Because you like food. Uh, well, yes. And everybody likes food. Uh, well, Many people. Like <laughs> <laughs> and I won't tell them what happens when you eat Mexican food because you once admitted to it. Oh, like it, just like everybody else. That's right. right. Absolutely. Um, well, or many people. Um, <laughs> I love it. Get me that thing. You know, so, I mean, I, I, I think that it's OK. Like, I'm very out in my life. I'm polyamorous. And people know people at my job know that I'm polyamorous because I think it's a, it's a social and a civil issue. People at my job know that I'm an author. They don't know exactly what kind of author. I mean, they kind of do. I've yeah. said I have a pen name. It's erotic work. We're done here. You know, I was like, yeah. if you want to know more, then you have to be my friend outside of this job. You know, I'm so glad you say that. I, I would say something to uh, a couple relatives within the immediate family. Dad had actually passed on before I had okay. ever actually scribed anything, but... Uh, actually, no, it's not true. I started something back in 99, but I didn't tell anybody at that point. So when they ask, what is it that you write? I say, well, you've heard of the movies, uh, the 50, 50 Shades of Grey. They're like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, think of this as the 51st. We'll just leave it at that. You know, and I don't really say anything more to it or anything more about right. it. It's like, it's, it's dirty in that sense. It is erotica. It is adult material. Do you want to know more? And everybody said, no, we don't need to. I was like, well, that's great. And in this We're sense, I do mean everybody. We're done here. You know, all the immediates said, no more, please. Yeah. Right. I have a uh, – it's really funny. I have a side business uh, that I've been working on, a software project, the particulars of which I'm not going to get into. But my business partner, he and I are really good friends, but he's vanilla. And when he and I first started to develop the product and I was say, talking about other commitments on my time – like, he knows I do a podcast. He knows that I'm an author. And he knows that I go to interesting events that are of an exotic flavor. And he doesn't <laughs> need to know exactly the flavor. We have we jokingly refer to it as our gentleman's agreement. You know, I was like, oh, we have now, I, I'll say it again, we have now reached the point at which any further information would be more than you want. And he goes, I'm good here. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and, you know, and it's fine. No, it's, it's good fine. stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's it's very good stuff because like these aren't individuals that are uh, within the collective and uh right it actually it, in a small sense because like this obviously the, this partner of, of the software you're working on this isn't the first person that you've spoken to about it that you know that was outside of things oh no lots and lots and lots <laughs> that being said do you remember checklist item number four Okay, okay. Who was the first ABDLer you ever communicated with? So, now, keep in mind, I'm 47 years old. I've been doing this for over 20 years. Um, so that mystical 
like I don't know, you know, Diaper Man Zero or whatever, like is <laughs> lost in the mists of time to me. But I can speak to a very significant one that I did speak with that was among my first. Okay. Okay. So way way back in the day, I used to be on a service called Prodigy. Ah, uh, yes. Prodigy, uh, like when people think now about America Online and they're like that old dinosaur. Okay. People that were on America Online when it was new and hip were thinking Prodigy, that old dinosaur. Like uh-huh. that's how old this thing is. Yep. Okay. Yep. I was with my vanilla ex that I split from, and she, uh, you know, and 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 hiding from her that I was on the internet looking to talk to people about this thing that burned in my deep secret heart. Okay. So so first I I uh, I had a it was really funny I had the the worst uh, pseudonym on on prodigy in these communities my my first name was will like short for william and my last name was Linkslave. willing slave oh my goodness okay <laughs> right okay uh, and so i'm in this 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 chat room and i stumble across this guy and we'll call him sam okay and and sam was an adult baby and diaper fetishist and he told me the most amazing and sad story I'd ever heard in my life. Okay, it was awful. It was instrumental in my decision to become an activist in the community. This is Sam's story. Okay. Okay. So Sam, uh, back when I got to know him, was in his, I want to say, late 60s. Okay. So he had met his wife and gotten married to her many, 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 many years ago, decades ago. Okay. okay. Sure. And went off and was in the war. Uh, World War II. I mean, this wow. is a long time ago. Hit yeah. Me. Okay. Came back home, went to college on the GI Bill, had four children. Okay. This whole time, he he has this diaper and, and rubber pant fetish. Okay. Because back then, that's what the fetish was. Okay. And he burned with shame about it. He felt like he couldn't say anything to her or anyone else because back then – if you were revealed as being sexually alternative in any way, oh yeah, I mean, you would run out of town on a rail. They burnt your house down. Okay, I mean it was bad, bad news, right? So he got this job that was a traveling job, and what he would do is he would leave his house and go to this like storage locker he had, and pick up his stuff and be on the road. And for the week or two that he was on the road, be in his diapers and his rubber pants every night, you know, and then, you know, stop at a laundromat on his way home and clean everything up and put it away and and burn with shame for wow. decades. OK, it's terrible. Oh, wait, see, it gets worse. I can't okay? fathom this. This is something else. So he goes through this for all this time. And then the kids, you know, gradually age out and go to college. And then it's just him and the wife in the house. And now the nascent Internet becomes a thing. And he starts to get on there. OK. And he realizes there are other people like yours truly. And he starts talking to them. OK. And for a while, a year or three, that's enough for him. But it feels dishonest to him because every time he's on the computer talking to one of his diaper buddies and his wife comes in the room, suddenly it's solitaire. You know, or whatever. Right. Right. And he feels like he's emotionally cheating on her and he just can't stand it. So after like the last kid is successfully up in freshman year at, you know, college Wobegon or whatever. okay, he he says to her, 
He says, honey, I have something I have to tell you. And she says, what is it? He says, come with me. Oh, my goodness. They go upstairs to their bedroom, and they have these locking nightstands, okay? And he takes a key out of his pocket and unlocks his locking nightstand and pulls out of it a diaper and a pair of rubber pants and some powder and some lotion and the pins and the whole deal. Puts on the bed. This is me. This is what I do. This is what I'm into. Just oh puts it right out there. God. She bursts into tears right in front of him. And he says, he says, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have hit it for so long. If you want to divorce me, I understand. She's like, shut up, shut up, shut up, motherfucker. Like, she literally, <laughs> like this, right? Okay. Then takes a key out of her pocket, goes to her nightstand, and opens up her nightstand, and takes out the exact same goddamn thing from hers. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding. Okay. Well, when I heard this, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry or vomit. Okay. Like 35 years or something that, that they had like hidden this thing from each other. Okay. And he said to me at the time, well, not Mako, because that wasn't my name then. He's like, Will, you know, don't feel bad for me because it's worked out. I have had sex in every room of my house with my wife <laughs> the past year. And we are in diapers, like, all the time. And I got to tell you, like, I know how to make her come now. I know how to actually give her orgasms. And she knows the best things to do to me. And I was like, this is the best thing. And when I heard that, I oh said, you God. know what? That's what I want to make happen in the world. That, you know, I, I want to, like, re reduce this amount of, of wasted time. That That's what I'm after. Wow. Yeah. That, that's... He's not the first, but maybe uh, certainly among the most significant in my life. Holy shit. Yeah, once again, my answer is going to be nothing compared to yours. Right, Dave. <laughs> Whatever, right. <laughs> um, mine, actually, uh, I don't even remember what it was. I, I wasn't always Zorro Daddy. I was like Zorro 3876 or Zorro 9658. The word Zorro was always in it. And right. I would hear from an individual – on the other side of the country, who was, I, I believe, married uh, a second time, and uh, his first wife uh, had unfortunately passed on, and there was some issues with uh, a car accident that, uh, you know, left her in cotton, and, and then there were other health issues, and the lady passed on, unfortunately, but he got married again to someone else and had, had introduced this, this idea of ABDL, and this individual would also appear, if I'm not mistaken, on one of those, I think it was Montel Williams, in the 90s, one of those shows, uh, mm -hmm. g gave me a wealth of knowledge, sent me, that's where I heard about Spring Fling 93, which was a gathering of folks in uh, California. One of those mm -hmm. individuals is a, is a fantastic guy that I met who lives in Jersey, seen him uh -huh. at, at quite uh -huh. a few conventions. Uh, I think that was the only one I knew from, from the lot. But it actually, and I'm not going to jump ahead because it actually leads to the pre-internet era where a lot of this stuff happened, but the guy gave a wealth of knowledge, even sent me a, v a VCR tape. This was a predecessor to DVDs, and it actually had episodes of China Beach on it. It had all of those talk shows. Most of them nice. I hadn't seen. You know, I'd seen Jerry Springer. That was it, but there was Monta Williams, and then the first one on Donahue, and all this. I'm like, oh, Moses. And I had known about it for about six months at that point. So that was mm -hmm. actually the first person I ever communicated with. Now, let's make it even more difficult. Uh, although it, it kind of sounds like you just answered it, but do you remember who the first ABDLer was that you ever met face-to-face? -face? 
Oh, gosh. I had to think about this to come up with my answer. I just had to sit and think about it for a while, but I came up with it. Well, okay, I'm going to cheat a little because, again, maybe not first, but most significant. Okay, Um, yeah, sure. Back in those those prodigy days, I got to be friends with Spacey, Space Baby Bob, who is now my partner, you know, and best friend in my whole life. I love him. And at the time, his dad was working here in D.C. where I live, and we were just Internet pen pals. And, you know, like I liked him and he liked me, but we didn't like really know much about one another. And um, so I I reached out to him. Uh, he's, he well, you know, he reached out to me. He's like, I'm going to be in D.C. I'm just looking to hang out with people. My dad's got to work. You know, how about we meet? And we met like we had no idea what the other person looked like. No, he really knew very little about, about one another. But when I went to the Metro and to meet him, and it's really funny, we met at L'Enfant Plaza, which, if you know, the French, like, that's relevant and funny, right? Because it means kid. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, like, our eyes met across the station, and instantly we knew the other person. And it was like, it was like I had known him my whole life. We spent the day together. I brought him back to my apartment in Maryland, which was like an hour and a half away by car. So it's really a good thing I wasn't an axe murderer. Um, We had the most amazing time with one another. And it's my relationship with him has become one of the most enduring fixtures of my life. Um, There is only one person in the age play community that I have known longer than Spacey. And that's uh, that's Frankie, Frankie, uh, Frankie and Andrea Magnus A.B., Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, I've known Frankie maybe six months longer than I've known him. Uh, <laughs> okay. And and, and, sure. and that's it, you know? And my friendship with him changed my whole life. Wow. Yeah. Well, I have one. How of, about you? I, I have one of two answers, and I, I okay. kind of have to qualify this a little. The first one. The you first, totally get to cheat, given the amount of cheating I've been doing. Do well, yeah, but understand, ahead. one of those three words that doesn't describe me oh, oh, is oh, cheat. Okay. There we go. Right, right, fair. Uh, uh, I the, the easy answer would be a girl in New Jersey, but she wasn't actually an ABDLer. She was hmm. somebody who was interested in that, and I don't believe she ever actually uh, did too much more. We would stay in, in communication. I guess it really doesn't matter because I'm not giving away the name, but it was M-A-N-A-L-A-P-A-N, Manalapan. I didn't know what that mm-hmm. meant, but that's, an, that's a location in Jersey. And she, yeah. didn't, she didn't live there anyway. But but that's where we met, and uh, we spent a night together. We did not do any sexual actions. We're not getting into the into that thing yet. But uh, I just did this thing. I was like, "Hi, oh, you're a, an adult female, and here comes the diaper." And oh my god, I'm so happy. You know, that's the easy answer. But she mm-hmm. wasn't actually an ABDLer. If I'm giving that answer correctly, then it's not one person. It was a group of people that I met in second weekend in April of 2011 at NellyCon. NellyCon okay. is the starting point of everything. NellyCon is, in fact, why we have TeddyCon. Right. Without meeting each other at NellyCon, I, I can't fathom we ever would have. But this includes Phil, Little Philly. It includes right. um, Glenn, whose username slips my mind, from New Jersey. Um, it yeah. includes Pinafores and Petticoats. The other guy from Jersey, I'm not going to say his first name, but the one who was mm-hmm. at Spring Fling 93. Um, yeah. It would include life at 200 miles per hour. It right. would include, oh, Chrissy. You mean Chrissy. That's Chrissy. That's it. There we go. Chrissy. Right, it yeah. would include life at 200 miles per hour. It would include Penji. 
Mm-hmm. And these are, in fact, uh, the the not like the absolute closest people that I that I uh, still stay in touch with. Oh, um, a guy at the time who was it was Squish A B, I think was his name. Now he goes by Little Beer Geek. Yeah, this is yeah, this I is where right. I met all of these people. To this day, I still stay in touch with all of them. But that was the awesome. first time face to face. Not to mention a name that might have been held up on a piece of paper a bit earlier. <laughs> right, right, right. But it, it, it was truly mind-boggling. Like at that one event, a, a lot of things just sort of came together. So now the most important item on this entire checklist, <laughs> this is what's going to decide the, the continuation of mankind or the end of everything as we know it. And this time I said everything. World, I hope you are ready for this. The question is this, Mako. Chunky peanut butter or creamy peanut butter? I'm going to have to go with creamy. Now be careful, the fate of the world. <laughs> yeah. It's actually funny because I started about a year ago, a little over a year ago now, this uh, what's called the ketogenic diet, uh, which is a high-fat uh, moderate protein, low carbohydrate diet. So I don't get to eat a ton of peanut butter, although I can eat it. I just can't put it on bread. Ah. I mostly eat it on a. I mostly eat it on a spoon. Okay. And so I, I really like natural, in its own peanut oil, creamy peanut butter. Oh my goodness, yeah. Oh my. It's delightful. Th- it's a big snack for me. This is one that we see eye to eye on. Like I don't. So it's we can not keep going. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not the chunky. I have a problem with it. It's just that when I make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, that sucker better just be smooth. That's for sure. Well, that was an easy one, and I I think this is important work. We just saved the universe, Mako. Yeah. My my problem with the, the the chunky is that when you eat it, well, not you, me. When I eat it, I tend to bite the inside of my cheek. Oh, um, and that's just it's not a good time. Yeah, yeah. You you don't want any other flavors mixing in with the jelly, and the, you know, I I totally hear you. Yeah, but uh, it, I I love how you put that softball next to this next one. Go ahead. Well, yeah. <laughs> see, it's because you're not dumb. You're seeing what I'm doing. The next <laughs> one is this, and actually the one right after that too. But the first question is. Is it a community? This okay. ABDL collective that we have, is it in fact a community? And bear in mind, folks, what we're giving our opinions. There's right. nothing wrong with uh, a bunch of different ones. I'm going to say that part of why this has come up is because I'm very well known for many years of saying that it's not, um, that, that it's a social cohort. And I've actually since changed my mind. Really? Uh, yeah, I really have. I'm glad you're sitting down. What's going on? Yeah, right. Let me explain (laughs) why. Okay. Okay. So first off, my stance that it's a social cohort and not a community came from a a very certain idea. Okay. And that idea is that because we like age play, because we – which that itself is such a vague thing. Okay. Does that mean you like being treated like a little kid? Does that mean you like treating someone like a little kid? Does yeah. that mean you like spanking? Does that mean you like diapers? Does that mean you like My Little Pony? Does it mean like uh, Finding Nemo? Uh, you know, yeah. what is right? Like yeah. it, it's hundreds of things. Okay, so having one thing in common, or or a number of things in common with somebody else, doesn't necessarily knit you into some cohesive unit. Um, okay. Further, sure. Furthermore, furthermore, like the idea that that construct has a well-being and welfare independent of the people within it as if like 
if you go on a certain talk show or act a certain way in public, you're going to do grievous harm to the standing and wealth and health of the community. That is some serious, passive-aggressive, toxic bullshit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Having said that, several years ago, a very good friend of mine, who sadly is no longer with us, uh, little Raya Kitty, gave me this amazing book. Okay, it's a book by Brene Brown called The Power of Vulnerability, which if you haven't read it or seen her TED Talk, uh, I recommend that you do. Because one of the things that it says is that vulnerability is not a weakness. Vulnerability is a source of strength and power. Um, Hmm. And that um, man as a social animal, we have a, a, a need, an inherent need for validation. Here's the thing, though. Where does that validation come from? It comes from people who have earned the right responsibility and trust we give to them to validate us. Um, that's what a community is. You know, you put yourself out there in front of other people and you say, I'm a, I'm a good person, right? And they say, yeah, you're awesome, right? But the thing is, who are you doing that with? Okay, like the fact that I like uh, people to sit on my face, not a secret, okay, <laughs> or, put, or put me in a diaper or spank me, like do I need the guy down at the barbecue place three miles from my house to know that and think it's okay? No, I do not. Okay. Do I need my my you know post postman to to think that? No. Do I need my mother to think that? Not particularly. No. I mean, it, it it'd be fine if she did. Do I need my friends to? It depends on the friend. It depends on how I am their friend. You know, my business partner. He knows I'm exotic, but not exactly how. And we've agreed sure. to have that careful detente, right? Right. Um, the people that I invest in emotionally the most, I do want them to know. And I do want them to think that I'm a good person. So they're my intentional community. So is the age play community community? You bet your sweet ass it is. Does it have value? You bet it does. Okay. Does that mean that you are obligated to act in a certain way as to not cause harm to the mainstay of those people? No, that's still nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, right. y- y- it, it means that you have to be your own fully functioning, independent person, you know, or as I like to say, and I say it very rudely, so I'm going to apologize. <laughs> if you're an adult baby, you're an adult baby, motherfucker. <laughs> okay. So sure. put gas in your own car, Sure. wipe your ass, take a shower, brush your teeth, hold down a job. Don't make me pick you up to take you to the munch when you don't have a job. Be a reliable, good-hearted person. And whether your neighbor thinks that people in a diaper are freaks or not has nothing to do with that. Now that is an answer right there. There you go. That is an answer. It's my mind. I get nicer as I get older. (laughs) Yeah, like when you said it before, and and I don't even know what it was, but you would use the term cohortship. And I I thought about it. The thing is, I thought about it for a really long time. And I've never really said, I use the word community, but I've never really stated what my opinion was on it. And probably up until you had that that, uh, statement of cohortship, I, yeah. I probably would have just said, okay, yeah, community. I don't even need to look up the dictionary, you know, what it is. And, right. you know, that, that's what it is. But the more and more I thought about it, I was like, you know, cohortship just might be right. The answer that I say now is, yes, it is a community. 
and right. it probably has been for a while. But when I heard the word cohortship, I think at the time, if I had stated my answer, it would have been, if it isn't a community, it's trying to become one. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that were growing, you know, and, and it was broadening. Like, once again, there's like, like how many companies, and I understand it, I'm just giving you silly examples, but how many conventions sure. are there? How many munchins are there? How many podcasts are there? How many diaper making companies are there? Good guy, like Little Kink Boutique, littlekink.com. Yes, it's a shameless right. plug. It's my podcast, for crying out loud. She uh, lives uh, like 28 minutes away from me. Like, she's all over the place. You know, she really is. She's right. been to Chicago. She comes, you know, she comes to Hedicon. She's been up to um, Ella's event up there. Uh, uh, the and invasion. I would say, I would say, though, that all of those things that you're saying, that there's goods and services and, and, and events, um, those are indicative of social cohort. Are people that like comic book movies a community or a social cohort? Well, I'll tell you what. Marvel makes a whole lot of goddamn money and a whole lot of movies, you know, getting us to go there and pony up our 20 bucks to watch, uh, you know, Spider-Man swing around or whatever. Right. But that doesn't mean that, like, Spider-Man fan club 537, <laughs> you know, right. is it, it, like this union that represents the rights of people. Um, it's no, no, not. No, yeah, that's understandable. Okay. Everything I just listed there is, in fact, cohortship worthy yeah but, but everything i listed is a garnishment a right. garnishment a for a cluster yeah. of people a so absolute. it's so i i kind of think the answer is it, at least presently i i would say yes yeah, it's, it's not only was it a community that was trying to become one i think it probably is one now maybe at one point in time it was a cohort right. ship right. we're a community though <laughs> you know to, to lay some of my like, hippie woo woo zen dao you know, uh, you know, nonsense down upon you. Right. It is entirely possible for a thing to be a thing and not be a thing simultaneously. Like it can both be a community and not be a community. I heard the saying once about the difference between um, uh, intelligence and wisdom. Okay, hmm. uh, intelligence is knowing that a tomato is both a fruit and a vegetable. <laughs> wisdom is knowing not to put it in your fruit salad. Right. <laughs> I'm going to use that in the future. I'm going right, to okay. remember that. I mean, I, I will quote you every time I use it, too. <laughs> oh, please, please do. I mean, it's funny. Okay, so I'm going to jump ahead to our next point, and I'm going to talk. Yes, good. Uh, say, good. say what it is, because it's relevant here, okay? You bet. You bet. Uh, um, and, it, and it's this thing about being a sexual age player versus a non-sexual age player or adult baby or diaper lover, whatever you want to say. Right. Are those things mutually exclusive or not? And I actually want you to answer it first. Oh, my my stance, mm -hmm. which is also my opinion, has always been, yes, I truly believe there are people who get something sexual from it, and yeah. uh, there are people who sometimes get something sexual from it and sometimes don't. But then I also believe that there are people who get nothing sexual from it, and I'll use right. a, an exacting term. One individual, and I won't state his name... <laughs> Uh, but one individual I've gotten to know, like, speaks very passionately, very passionately uh, about this. And uh, yeah. I respect his opinion. His opinion is valid. It's not mm -hmm. that I am agreeing with it or disagreeing with it. All I'm saying is it does exist. And if it does exist, then, yeah, it can be mutually exclusive. But it's a, sure. it's a super tough question. It really is. It's like. So, okay, I, I, I've got an answer, and my answer about it is, is sort of my same answer about God. Uh, it's, it's, would you like some tea? <laughs> um, because here's the thing about it. 
I think it's easy to to confuse the message with the medium. Um, okay. I think that there are people who are sexual. There are people who are asexual, who are demisexual, who are romantic, who are aromantic for whatever reason. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's a thorny, complicated thing. So Gloria Brame, okay, she's a famous oh, yes. sexologist. You okay. Bet. Love her to death. I, I feel a, a, I'm very fortunate. Okay. This might sound like humble bragging. I, I don't mean it this way. Bye. No, you go for it, man. By all means. What is it? When I when I was first like growing up into these interests that we have, okay, um, I read this book by Gloria Brame called Different Loving, and it's an amazing book, and everyone should read it. And it it was very formative in my understanding of my own self esteem and like acceptance of my own sexuality. You know, cut to so many years later, and we started to have Gloria actually on the podcast, and yeah. she's she and her girl uh, are actually friends of mine now, which is very weird for me because she's like a personal hero to me so it, it, it's a little bit like being friends with abraham lincoln of sex or something like the fact that i get to know her and talk to her and that we're 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 friends boggles my mind okay but there's a thing that gloria has said on the podcast many times okay um and it's that sexual as an adjective and sex is a noun like are really problematic things because let's say that you have a diaper fetish or that you have a spanking fetish and you watch someone get a spanking and you get wet or you get hard. Um, then maybe the spanking or maybe the diapering are sex for you. Like does sex mean that like tab a goes in slot B <laughs> and like, right. you know, stuff is generated. No, is, is masturbation sex. Yeah, and that's just with one person, right? Is is mutual masturbation sex? You bet your sweet ass it is, right? Uh, is oral sex sex? Is watching porn a kind of sex? Is is voyeurism sex? Is exhibitionism sex? So many things are sex that I have a hard time saying what isn't sex, um, right. right? So I think when people say, are these things mutually exclusive, I want to say – that there's another question underneath there. It you know it freaks me out. That that's that is literally what I was going to say next. Is right. Like perhaps they're trying to get you, perhaps to say which you are. Right. That way, or uh, yeah. Like or it, is it okay that I have sex like this but not like that, or that yeah, this right. isn't a sex thing for me? Okay. Um. And now I'm going to use someone in my own poly family as as an example for this. Okay. Uh, and 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 then I'm going to ask you a related question. Okay. 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 So my mommy, my wife Missy, and I, we have mm-hmm. several uh, age players that are friends of ours that are our, our age play kids. We take care of them. Okay. They belong to us. And one of whom is this girl Rachel. Okay. Now Rachel's big thing is discipline, and accountability, and spanking. Okay? okay. She wants to be treated like she's a child. She wants to be held accountable for her behavior. When she misbehaves, she wants us to punish her, to spank her and put her to bed. When she's at our house, I diaper her and change her, and she's not allowed to change her own diaper. And if she does, I spank the heck out of her, okay? Now, so here's a little story about me and Rachel, okay? As I've said before, for me, it's often, not always, but often a very sexual thing. So picture it like the Golden Girls, Sicily, whatever. Picture. <laughs> it's 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning, and I go to 
wake Rachel up and change her diaper, and I untape her diaper and pull it down in the front and grab a baby wipe, and I'm wiping the powder and the pee off of her vagina because she has one, okay? And I'm enjoying looking at her vagina. It's pretty, and it smells good, and I like the way a wet, pea-soaked diaper and vaginal arousal smell. Like, they're pleasant to me, okay, in a sexual manner. Does that mean that I'm, like, going to town on her and being all DJ diddles on her front parts? No, <laughs> I'm not, because right. that's not what she wants, and we have negotiated it in our relationship that that's not how I take care of her, okay? Um, right. She is enjoying laying back and not be, and being accountable to me and not responsible for herself and knowing that she's not allowed to change her diaper and that I will. Um, and I change her diaper and tape it back up and pat her on the bottom and send her on her way. And then I go take a shower. And you know what? If I'm a little aroused, I rub one out because that was nice. Okay. <laughs> and you know who that harms? Nobody. You bet. You know? So that experience can be sexual and non-sexual at the same time. And now I'm going to ask you about diapering that girl in New Jersey. Uh, okay. Okay. So you guys met in a hotel, I'm yes. assuming, yeah? Yeah. And she was all the way naked. Yes. Yes, she was. Did you enjoy looking at her naked body? Yes. When you <laughs> diapered her... Did you – and I'm not trying to be crass here. No, you, no, no. It's great. It's okay. fun. When you, you, when you put powder or lotion down there, were you touching her vagina? Yes, it was. You bet. Right? And you, and then you diapered her and maybe cuddled some, right? You bet. Yes. Here's, my, here's, here's the magic question. The magic question is, at any point, either during or since that encounter, have you masturbated to that memory? Um. Uh, yes, not for a long time. <laughs> uh, but okay, so is there like well, a because past? There, there have there have been others since then, but oh, that's fine. Okay, did I? But yes. is, there like, is there is there a radioactive half life to an experience no. that you can go? Well, that was non-sexual because I didn't, you know. Right. No, no sperm was generated. No semen came out. <laughs> not sexual, right? Like right. And 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 by by doing that kind of value judgment, where you go, this is sexual, this is not. This is pure and innocent. This is dirty. Like. Is there not some sort of ranking that if if a thing is is sexual, it's somehow bad or less or or less than ideal? Is that the math? Is that what's happening? No, I would say it's based on the context of what you're talking about. Like like mm -hmm. like I, I think on episode 104 of the Big Little Podcast, at one point I said I always take everything that I write and I put it into one of three categories. Which right. since then have kind of blended a little bit. As I, as <laughs> but I did that deliberately because like I write what I call grats, which is yeah. short for gratification, which yeah. is now not to be too dirty. But then again, this is an adult podcast. Uh, this might be what, uh, you know, people are feeling as they are reading this dark, dirty story. They might, in fact, be playing One with hand. themselves. Right. right. Yeah. So I like that's that's where you will find the spanking and the BDSM and all of this. The next category, which is probably the one that I relate to the most, I refer to as saga, which is yeah. uh, it's romance. It's the entire relationship, which also includes the dynamic interwoven throughout every single moment. These are where right. you're going to find the couplings of Mia and Eric. Most people don't right. know these names, but Mia and Eric, Zeke and Lily, Gabriel and Gina, some of these couples that I've written about more than once. And the third oh, yeah. category is what I term as Yitlin. 
which mm-hmm. stands for it's, it's just simply a fun way to say little one. Yeah, I have always called this the pure and innocent category. But when I say that, what it means is there are no sexual actions that take place in that story. You will not read about blowjobs. You will not read about mm. eating out. There will be nothing anal. There will be nothing mm-hmm. oral. There will be mm-hmm. nothing sexual at all. That's what I mean right. when I say pure and innocent. And in that sense, I'm not really saying sexual is bad. I'm just letting mm-hmm. the reader know if you're not right. thinking of that. Because here's the thing, and I, this did come up on that episode of Big Little Podcast. Just because right. it says pure and innocent, that doesn't mean somebody isn't jacking off to it. It might, right. in fact, be something that they get something sexual from. But that's not for me to decide. That's for the right. reader to decide. Well, and, and again, right, it goes back to the thing that Gloria says, that, like, if you have a fetish for a certain thing, if your fetish is for – uh, women brushing their hair or, you know, someone putting socks on, uh, you can watch that and get off to it. Like, you yeah, know, you bet. Um, the, the, the links in between your, your gonads and the rest of your senses are ineffable and mysterious. Hey, there is a um, reason I pledge allegiance to the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. It's because Kira Knightley is in them. <laughs> She doesn't right. have to. She's fighting somebody with a sword. Okay, she's anything but feminine looking. But holy Moses, you know, right. like within my mind, I'm like, you betcha, and I'm gonna keep watching it for that reason. Sure, I mean, in in a, in a similar fashion, I love uh, I love Meg Ryan. I think she's an amazing actress, there you and go. she has this certain look to her. That is kind of like floral print wearing Laura Ashley mommy sexual. And it's not like in any of these movies that I've seen her in that that's what she's going for. But that's just what I'm getting from it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it gets back to that imply and infer thing. If I infer it, that's me doing it. That works just fine. You bet. Right. So, I mean, I, I think I, I think that part of what people are looking for when they say you know, is this sexual or is it not, right? Is, is is it okay? And the answer is, no matter what you like, no matter how you like it, no matter what flavor of ice cream you want to have with any other flavor of ice cream you want to have, please do, you know? And just because I like peanut butter sauce on top of my orange sherbet, which might sound disgusting to you, but <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to eat it. Right. And you, right. you might like to only eat, you know, rum raisin, while, you know, singing show tunes while it's raining and you you rock that. Go ahead. You bet. You know, um, absolutely. And the reason why I pound this so hard, OK, is that I think that many, many people struggle with self-esteem and they they want to get the tap from from someone else to say this thing you do and the way you do it is fine. Right. And like there's there's bad news here. Okay, and the bad news is, is that love for yourself starts inside you, like waiting for someone else to tell you that you're great. Yeah. You're going to wait a long time, you, bet. you know, the, the weird thing about it. Okay, so like uh, this is an audio podcast. You can't see me. Okay, but like I'm not the skinniest guy in the world. Okay, <laughs> right. I, you know, I'm a little chubby and uh, I don't have a ton of hair. Okay, uh, I'm like a pasty, nerdy white guy. I have no problems with uh, attraction, with dating. Um, uh, you know, it's not a qu- quantity versus quality thing, but it's never been an issue. People are naturally attracted to me, and that sounds vain and arrogant. I don't mean it that way. But why people generally seem to want to hang out with me and spend time with me is because I like me. 
You know, not that I think my like poop doesn't stink, but like I like who I am and I'm not waiting around for someone else to give me the go sign to live. That is oh, my God, that is such a good point. like I, I was really looking forward to that question on the checklist. And this just got like so much better. That's such yeah. a huge point right there. Like what? Well, first and foremost, you are a sexy bitch, whether you admit to it or not. However, however, I love you. Too. <laughs> what, what people read and every single time, like whether I've been down to, um, am I allowed to say the name of the restaurant of the DC yeah, months? Sure. Just because yeah, it absolutely. sounds awesome. When I went down to Bowie Mongers, that's where they have this right. thing. And, and we go up on the mezzanine. Like you literally speak to every human being as if they are a human being. Now, yeah, there are people that you know when you are. say hi. Exactly. Yeah. But what people read about you is that you like you and also that you have a genuine interest in them. Like I've that's never true. once I've never once seen you blow somebody off. I've right, never I once I don't. And and you mix and mingle with a lot. Uh, you mm-hmm. got a wide range. Uh, that gentleman I mentioned, who uh, one of the co-creators of DPF, he's way up there. And you got yeah. some folks who were just who just turned legal to be on the site today. And there's generations in between. Now I am right. gonna, I am going to float your boat for a moment. Ma- right. Mako communicates with a lot of folks from the younger crowd. He was on a podcast recently. Uh, uh, Mako communicates with a lot of folks that are 50 and 60 and everybody in between. And the reason why it is exactly what he's saying. Mako doesn't hate Mako. There's no right. reason or, to hate oneself. And or, people or read that. Else. Yeah, exactly. Right. People read that. Like, like when you're happy with you, hey, you know what? I'm Zorro Daddy. I'm right. single. Life has not come to an end. Right. And it right. doesn't mean life is any less great. It doesn't right. mean life is any less fantastic. It's, yeah. it's, it's simply because, like, it, it, it really starts with one fundamental thing, and that is you. It doesn't mean you need to fix you because you're not broken. It right. just means maybe you, on occasions, you might want to remind yourself, I'm pretty awesome. There's so, nothing vain about it. That's the beauty of it. That's the starting the, point of a lot. Absolutely. So here's the thing, right? Like, I, I was talking before about how I'm this non-theist, I'm this Taoist, right? And it's relevant because it kind of informs everything I do in my whole life, you know, because I, I have this this thought, this idea that we're all extensions of the same one thing. And be, because of that, like, uh, I don't. I don't spend a lot of energy questioning the world. Like, <laughs> um, you know, someone asked me once, like, I read a lot of philosophy, okay? I uh, I meditate every day. I spend a little bit of con- time in contemplation every day. Uh, and, and, like, that kind of, like, thought work is a big part of my life, right. um, which can be very uh, draining and exhausting to talk about. There are many interconnected and complex ideas. Someone asked me once, they're like, all this philosophy stuff you do, if you could like sum it up pithily, you know, in as short a me- means as possible in a sentence, could you do it? And I was like, a sentence? I can do it in a word. I'm like, what's the word? My word is relax. That's nice. the word. That's the, that's the essence of Taoism. Like, you know, you, you could worry. Okay, there's an idea in Taoism. Okay, now it's going to be more words. There's an idea <laughs> in Taoism called Wu Wei, which is the action of non-action. Okay? 
Hmm. Oh my God, Z, this is going to be so about you. This oh is man. So about you. Oh, bring okay. it. Oh boy. So, so, okay. So, you know, we could, we could worry about what do we need to do to make sure that the sun comes up tomorrow, right? Like, and, and we could really get into it, you know, we could get to an observatory and check the telescopes, check the, you know, rotation of the earth and axial tilt and check the seasons and make sure, you know, the natural constants are still going. We don't have to do any of that shit <laughs> because it's coming up, right? Things are just happening. There's a thing that happens between me and Zora all the time. Okay. Zora's a very community minded guy. He's very sweet. He's very kind. And he's always trying to, you know, do right by the little guy and promote events and help people know about a thing and get people to go to a thing. It only you took know. 20 bucks to get him to say all this, too. Okay. It worked out well. <laughs> oh, see if you still want to give me that 20 bucks in a minute. Ah, right? bring it. Okay. okay. So, so, but here's what happens. A problem will happen, okay? Oh, no, Mago, there's politics and infighting in the HV community? Never. Okay. Um Someone from a convention will be upset with someone else from a convention or two people at a party will be mean to each other or someone mm. will go to promote something and someone else will say something negative about it. And, and Zorro, who's sweet and kind and loving and compassionate, will get all wrapped around the axle about how terrible it is, how mean people are being to each other and how maybe the event's not going to happen or maybe this <laughs> thing's not going to sell or maybe this business don't won't do well. And he'll call me up. And the, the calls are always the same. Yep. They happen at about 1045 at night, yep. uh, usually, on a, usually on a Thursday. He'll get a text message. Like, hey, Michael, can I talk to you for a few minutes? And I'll say, yep. absolutely. Give me a buzz. And he'll... Get on the phone with me. He'll say, here's a thing. Here's a situation. Person A did this and person B did that. Blah, 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 blah. And I don't know what to do about it. And I'll say, I've got an answer for you. <laughs> you know what it is. You don't like it. The can answer you, can is, you say what the answer is? It's one word, right? That's that. Yep. Go ahead. I believe the answer is nothing. That's correct. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. Because the truth of the matter is things are happening anyway. Yep. Things are going to work out however they're going to work out. Right. And because this moment is the only moment, this place is the only place, even if something really terrible happens, it's not going to happen for very long. Even if something really wonderful happens, it's not going to happen for very long, right? Look at me, okay? Uh, I'll throw myself under the bus here, too. Back when I was with my domineering, uh, you know, Vanilla X, and I outed myself to her, and we blew apart, our marriage-to-be was gone, our apartment together gone uh you know i lost all these friends and i was oh what have i done i've ruined my whole life i did not ruin my whole life you know spoiler alert 20 years later i i've been married twice since then life goes um, on you bet i've had i've had lots and lots of relationships many of which i'm still in simultaneously because i'm poly which it took me time to figure out okay um i've had more sex I have seen more naked people uh, since that day than that person could ever have conceived of in their life. I've had more quality experiences. I have had more wonderful moments and terrible moments, and they kept on going. People tell themselves this bullshit story, right, that like that the some bad thing that happens to them or someone else, that's the end. And there's no end. We're like, uh, it's like looking out the back of a boat and watching the wake behind it. There's just this wave, the same wave over and over and over. That present moment goes on forever. Um, well, 
until you're dead, after which you probably don't care. Yeah. I don't want to say that I say this from experience. Um, yeah. But you'll never enjoy where you're going if you're constantly looking back over your shoulder at where you've been. Right. It, it doesn't mean you can't look back because by all oh, means, sure. where you're headed and, and the quality of everything is based on what you've learned. And wise right. individuals, this is an opinion, wise yes. individuals are going to learn from the past. They're not going to make the same mistakes again. Or if they right. do, it'll be accidental. It's not going to be something that's <laughs> permanent. Well, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I will say <laughs> I make mistakes over and over, and that's okay too, right? Okay, um, sure. uh, okay, I'll give you an example. I was telling uh, Zoro before we got going on this podcast that I have just been through some horrible dental misadventure, about six grand worth of dental work, right. um, much of which I could have avoided if I had flossed more and <laughs> been to the dentist more than every third year, right? Um, right. And that's pretty dumb. Here's a here's a dirty dark secret about myself about mm, 15 years ago 18 years ago at this point i went through almost the exact same thing i i I had to have a tooth extracted it was terrible i had like six months that i was at the dentist all the goddamn time you know how many times does it take for me to have dental horror and expense before i wake up and do it right so far the answer is two <laughs> right. This totally like I, I kind of go, going back for a minute to the to the phone calls that yeah. we had. I, I kind of yeah. almost want to call that uh, some activity of uh, community, but <laughs> but yeah. um, it leads to the next item on the list, which is conventions, munches, and parties. I will tell sure. you, for the longest time, mm-hmm. I believed myself to be the only person in Lancaster. Of the four letters, other than the, sure. that couple that had the bed and breakfast, whom I have since met many times. I've been actually been over to that. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness! Oh my left hand! I was so totally wrong. Mm-hmm. There are so many people, and not just within Lancaster, but they come from York and they come from Harrisburg and Reading and all these other. Some of them come up from Baltimore for crying out loud. The llama munch has been at it about four years, but I kind of wanted to ask you. Yeah. About the DC Munch, which has been around how many years now? Oh my gosh, like 15, I want to say. Yeah. That's, it's, it's funny. something else. You know, I'm actually kind of retired from it. Um, well, true, but you handed it off to a phenomenal A wonderful group of, group of people. Oh, it's true. You know, so it's uh, RS and Kimby and, and, and Richard, our boy Richard, that, that run it. Um, and do a bang up job. Um, it's great. I still go, uh, not all the time. It's funny, like, um, my life has changed a lot and my focuses have changed. Uh, f- uh foci? I, I don't know. It used to be that uh, I, I ran that thing and I, you know, ran it with a passion and wanted to get on in there. But as, as I got older and my polyness kind of grew and the podcast grew, you know, um, energy is not infinite. <laughs> Time is not True. infinite for a yeah. person. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I started the thing and originally it moved around. It wasn't even in DC when I first started, it was in Baltimore and I only held it quarterly. My ex and I did. And then, you know, she and I split and I started to do it in DC and I, I used to do it at a, at a Fuddruckers in DuPont circle. That was way back in the day. Um, yeah. 
And it, it took time to move it around, figure out where the best place was, which is this awesome restaurant called Bowie Munger is the best stupid, silly name. It's in Bethesda. And it's the second Saturday of every month, which, by the way, is where it has always been, where it will always be. It's always <laughs> second Saturday. It's always at a certain time. At the same you know, if, yeah, but, you know. Right. If people want to call me up, like, hey, is there a month this month? Yes. Hey, is it second Saturday? Yes. <laughs> right, right. Uh, people still call all the time, you know, for that thing. It's funny, the the very first, the reason the Big Little Podcast even exists is that brother and I, okay, because he did, was also running the Atlanta Munch, we had decided that we wanted to experiment. And uh, so there's a, like a couple of dirty little secrets about the podcast. One of the things is that why we started the podcast is because brother and I live far apart from each other. He's in Georgia and I'm in Virginia and we love to have projects together. So we decided let's make a thing together that we can do at a distance. How about a podcast? Well, what can we podcast about? The very first episode of the big little podcast, episode number one, was about how to host a munch. And nice. it's still out on our website, biglittlepodcast.com. You should go listen to it. And all the same things that I believed then, uh, you know, a hundred some odd episodes ago, um, I still believe now. I mean, I can kind of sum them up, like sort of, you know, standing on one foot. It's, a, it's like five, a five point thing, right? Um, pick a place in time, keep it at that place in time. Don't move it around. Be consistent. Sure. Pick a place that's accessible by public transportation, so people that don't have a car aren't screwed to get there. Right. Pick a place that has some degree of voice privacy, but not too much voice privacy, because the point about a munch is that it's a social gathering. People aren't diapering each other there. There's no spanking happening there. It's not a sex party. No one's making you do anything. You're just eating a goddamn cheeseburger and meeting people and being friends with them. OK, you don't have to have a cheeseburger. You can have a salad. It's fine. Four is you do not have to run the munch with an iron fist and, and insist that it's a, a secret cabal of anonymous people, you know, where people have to, you know, send you their information and then you vet them and then you allow them. Like, like it can just be open about it. Being open about it and more transparent actually makes it safer, a space for new people, because then they know when and where it is. They can go and, like, kind of check it out. And if they decide they don't like the cut of your jib, they don't have to uh, identify themselves and step up. Sure. Okay. Um, and lastly, and this is maybe the most important point of the whole thing, get a place that has counter service where people pay for their own food so that you don't get stuck with the check. <laughs> right. Absolutely. There you go. Make those big five for doing a munch. <laughs> hey, no, no, that that totally works. And my God, there, there are so many of them. It's ridiculous. Like, it's um, awesome. Yeah, it's mind boggling. And I'm, I'm very happy to see more and more of them popping up. Um, yeah. On FetLife, I have uh, like five or six groups that I'm a part of that I supposedly run. Uh, <laughs> but the one that I created, um, well, I separately created, but the one is called yeah. the Ultimate Directory of FetLife ABDL Groups. Yeah. And it's about twice a year I go through and I, I go back to the last group that I added from the list. And then I, I go everything newer since then and i find i go through every single it's very time it, it takes about a week to do an update and, and you add you add about three or four hundred groups and i'm constantly seeing this tiny little uh, th this tiny little town in uh wyoming abdl munch and there's right one, and there's one person on the group mm -hmm. and it's been around for three weeks now mm -hmm. i'll find another group where it's it's uh something just even more specific, crayons and diapers. 
It's like, okay. Sure. Now, now that group's been around for like three years, and there's still only one person with uh, no interaction. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, that one I'm still going to add to the thing. But like this sure. one, uh, this tiny little munch in the Wyoming, here you have somebody trying to get it going. It starts with one. It doesn't mean that's a failed group. It doesn't really no. mean either of them are a failed group. But at one point, there was just a very few. And my gosh, mm-hmm. they're just springing up everywhere because people are like, yes, you don't have to be my next door neighbor. But right. it'd be great to to hang out and eat sandwiches and you know, try to take over the world in diapers. I, I see absolutely nothing right. wrong with that at all. Right. So, so you know, it's, it's, just, it's, it's been it's, awesome. It's funny to me too, right? Because I, I know that I, I myself, I had burdened myself with this issue of like, like what constitutes quality and success for a venture like that, right? Mm. How many people do I have to have? How many people do I have to go on a regular basis where I can like get the stamp on my forehead that says, we've got a munch here, people. And the answer is one. And it can be just you. Yep. Like it's really fine. Um, I've had munches at the back when I was running the thing, I've had munches that was me and one other guy. Just kind of sitting there, having a really awesome, nice lunch together, having an in-depth conversation about our lives. And then I've had other ones that had like 75 people that were like a crazy madhouse, madcap thing. Yeah. Both are great. And the thing that you were saying, Zora, about like, I I had no idea there were this many people in Lancaster, right? Like, if you're in an area and you think you're the only person, you're probably not. And if you're waiting for someone to do something about it, the good news is, is there's someone ready to do it. It's you. Yeah. Just do it. You bet. Absolutely. Right? It, costs, it, it costs it costs nothing. You pick a place. You pick a time. You post about it a bunch of places. You go eat your sandwich. You wait. Wash, rinse, repeat. If the word's not out there and people aren't aren't getting it, then you talk it up some other places. FetLife is so good for it. And Twitter is really good for it, too. You bet. You bet. It's... That's an, I, actually I didn't even write that one down, but that that's actually another good thing too. Like Twitter, I have a tendency yeah. to annoy my Twitter followers. <laughs> um, Never, uh, and me. most of them kind of tie into what we do. But there's a a relationship, and it's not even really a relationship uh, that I have with Penny Barber. And sure. it, being as I am a man of my word, I kept getting messages from people, and this actually leads into number eleven on the list. I kept getting messages from people said, hey, are you ever going to write a story where the male is the submissive? (laughs) And I was like, well, okay," because I always sort of take everything and I base it on two things. Number one, on experiences I've had and number two, on imagination. And I never know, like, I never actually know, like, hey, you know, like this really hit well. Somebody really enjoyed this. I have no idea. Because the only thing I have to go off of are the comments that somebody might put up on a site like Daily Divers or on FetLife or something along those lines. Sure. And I was like, well, it, it, it is the same thing. I'm just kind of reversing it. Plus, if I do that, the diaper changes are different. You mm-hmm. know, like suddenly there's breastfeeding. I've never actually mm-hmm. written about that. There, there's a lot of new things. So I ventured into it. And yeah. I call it the mommy grats. And the first one is boy toy. And that's mm-hmm. a mommy and a boy. And then I also did girl power, which was a mommy and, mm-hmm. and, and a girl. I'm like, okay, so how, how does all this play out? So I actually wrote some stories. And when I had the first book, the Mommy Gratz Boy Toy Book One, I was like, I can't just put any sort of a picture on there. So eons ago, and I don't even remember what year this was, uh, I contacted Penny because I found a picture of her. 
It's like, this mm. is great. She's sitting there with the legs crossed on the side of the bed, and she's got, she's dressed up like a mommy, and she's got the little diaper pack, and she's pulling out which, uh, what I think was a baby block Bambino diaper. So mm. I wrote to her. I was like, hey, Penny, my name is Nate. I also go by Zorro, and uh, gosh, I'd really like to use this picture. May I put it on the cover of a book? Um, if you agree to do it, um, not only am I going to send you the book, but I will tweet about you for the rest of my life. <laughs> that was the deal. And she said, yeah, by all means, send the, send the book here and I'll appreciate the tweets. To this day, I still tweet about Penny. I, yeah. I have some that are standard ones, but anytime, because she's on Night Flirt and all, she's got a bazillion things. She's Everywhere. Doing. Whenever it pops up, I'm like, I am going to be a man of my word. Here we go again. Absolutely. And I have mm -hmm. no problem with that. I actually got to meet Penny and she came mm -hmm. to a Teddy Con, which is, that, like, that was very exciting. I was like, here's somebody I would not have met. Until I get over to the West Coast Jungle Gym at some point, and maybe she's there. It's like, you I are the West Coast, you know. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, I'm entangled with yeah. her, too. <laughs> it is good fun. And that actually leads into number 11. Yeah. Are you ready for it? Bring it. What I wrote here, it, it says stories. And I, it, my God, you and I could, we could talk the rest of the night about it. Let's see if we mm. could, like, let's see if we could find, like, some, uh, some more finite points. Yeah. Um, why do you like writing them? Okay. So this is another one of those wayback machine moment things, okay? All right. I'm I'm from a, a family of artistic people. Uh, my grandfather was a painter uh, and a textile designer. Uh, my sister's a brilliant sketch artist. Uh, my dad was an amazing cook, which is definitely an art form. You know? Um, you know, um, my aunt on my mom's side was a brilliant artist. I, I've got a lot of that kind of stuff. And when I was really little, my sister and I um, were waiting for my mom to pick us up from school. And the particular school that we went to was on this bucolic pastoral campus. Uh, okay. okay. And it, it had this, this one particular building where we were waiting for her. And out back behind it, it had this pond. And there were these Canadian geese that would land on the pond. So my mom had bought for us these uh, these, these big, heavy craft paper uh, sketch pads and and really good, you know, uh, colored and charcoal pencils. And my my sister and I were sitting back there waiting for my mom, and and my sister was sketching this thing, and it was gorgeous. It was so brilliant. Okay, and she's about five six years older than me. Um, I was in third grade, fourth grade at the time, and I'm trying to emulate my big sister and do what she does. And I got to tell you, <laughs> it wasn't going so hot. I was, I was really bad. I, I, I couldn't get the perspective right. I didn't understand foreshortening. My, my hand was unsteady. I, I, in my head, I knew what I wanted. But visually, I couldn't make it come out on the paper. And so we're sitting there waiting like a half hour. And I must have crumpled up eight or nine pieces of paper of this very expensive craft paper you know and getting more and more angry with myself and finally in a fit of just irritation I, I took one of the pencils and i wrote in words what it was i was trying to draw yeah okay and there and and it, and, the, and it was right there i was like that's exactly it that's it this is this this is my form this is what i'm supposed to do and it took me a long time to refine that i'm a i'm a voracious reader i'm always reading two or three things at the same time. Uh, and I have been that way my whole life. Uh, this one summer we went overseas and I asked my mom if I could buy books to bring with me. And she said, yeah. 
So we went to this Walden Books, and I bought 47 books. Oh, my goodness. And, and I read them all <laughs> in three months. That's and like hardcore. I've always, yeah. yeah, I am. I am hardcore about literature. <laughs> I love literature. Um, I, so I've always been that way. And, you know, like Mark Twain says, you know, you, you, uh, write what you know. And I stumbled on erotica. My writing, my erotic writing is, is it, why I write it is it's actually not erotic things that I'm writing about. It's I'm writing about people. Mm-hmm. I'm writing about people like me. And the emotional journeys of their lives, yeah. uh, when they doubt themselves, when they get excited, when they find romance, when they're attracted to someone, when they hesitate, how they come into their own power, how they reveal themselves uh, are, are the themes of my books. Um, now, I got to say, I can't hold a candle to Zorro here. How many books do you have? It's like in the double digits, maybe the triple digits at this point, right? Uh, Monday, I start book. 115. Holy crap. Okay. I have two with a third on the way and a whole lot of short stories. Okay. So you're a fire hose to like the dripping faucet of my Okay. But, but, okay. I'm going to call myself, I'm going to smack my own uh, uh, penis on this one. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Comparison is nobody's friend. There are no standards. Everyone does as they are called. Um, You know, um, Anyone who's ever read my first book, Anti of His Border, will tell you that it kind of reads like an instruction manual for my pants. Um, <laughs> it speaks very well to things that I like. Uh, and, and, the, and the main character, you could swap me in there and I'd probably have a very good time. You know, mm. since then, that has changed. I think I have matured as an author. <laughs> uh, I, I take the perspective of other people, other people of other genders, other sexualities. I write about fetishes that are far beyond and different from my own. You know, they always sort of tie back to me eventually because, you know, it's what I know. But that that's my thing. OK. And like why I like this is I have this giant world in my head and I want to share it with everybody else. <laughs> I, I will say that your books, Auntie Eva's Border is one, Concerning Littleton is the second one. Yeah. Um, your books are like Terminator movies. They only come out. <laughs> no, no, they only come out once every decade, and for a solid right. decade, people talk about them. That's how memorable they are. Well, you could put one out every year if you wanted to. Now, myself, I'm yeah. like a comic book that is turned into a movie. You got to keep cranking that stuff out in order to keep people interested. What you have are grander things. Like, I, I almost want to say concerning Littleton probably shows pretty much every example. You take every combination. You, you, here's this story. Um, A whole damn lot of them. That's yeah, sure. it, exactly. And you put them all into one book. So there you have a fine example of uh, anybody could pick that book up. Like the the one that I read that I was like, oh, this is good. Uh, Adam and Christine. Those are the names. Adam and Christina. Yeah, yeah. Christina. There we go. That one I was like, oh, there we go. That's the that's the storyline that from that collection that I'm going to become glued to. Why? Because right. I can see myself as Adam. Right. So you of have course. a book. Of well, <laughs> you have a book that literally appeals to anybody who likes to read and who likes to read ABDL. Right. And it is just as good as Terminator 2, which to this day we still talk about. You're working on Terminator 3, okay? Right, While right. I'm over here right. working on X-Men 11. <laughs> right. Am I – right. So when people say, Mick, are you, are, you, are, you, are you done writing? The answer is, no, I'll be back. Um, exactly. No. <laughs> I'll be back. So 
Uh, okay, I'm going to be totally self-serving for a few minutes. You should be. Um, so here's the thing. The interesting thing about the world of age play fiction, especially ebooks. Okay, I'll tell you a funny thing. Okay, so both Auntie Eva's Border and Concerning Littleton are mm-hmm. ebooks. Okay, um, you can get Auntie Eva's Border as a paper book too, but you can't get Concerning Littleton as anything other than a Kindle book. And people have complained to me about that that they want a paper <laughs> copy. Okay, yeah, um, I think you complained to me about that. Um, but I will tell you that in the many, many, many years that Auntie Eva's Border has been out now. Uh, for every four books I sell, three are digital and one is paper. It's this, the money's not there. It's not right. worth it. Absolutely. Uh, plus, I, I really feel like the market has shifted. I think that paper books are dying. They're on their way out. It is just more convenient to use an e-reader. And the fact is, is no one can know what, that you're reading diaper smut on the bus if you're reading it on a Kindle or an iPad. So there's just advantages to it. Sure. Having said that, there is this problem, okay, that I have noticed. And the problem is that in the in the world of erotica, and specifically in the world of fetish erotica, and yet more specifically in the world of age play erotica, uh-huh. the field is wide and shallow. There are books out there that cost a dollar that uh, – it's going to sound so mean-spirited, and I don't mean it this way. They're not very good. They're clearly something someone threw together very quickly – the grammar is poor. The pacing is poor. The characterization is poor. The story is barely there. They're like a, a life support system for a diaper and a vagina, you know, or, or a penis. Um, they're, they're terrible. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that those books shouldn't exist. They should exist. They do exist. Remember, Taoist, I'm happy with everything. I'm happy with everyone. I don't need them to not be there. My problem is, is how do I distinguish myself from that pond? Okay. And so... I've taken some steps. These are the steps that I have taken. One is that I'm leveraging my available skills and talents. As I've been told for many years on the podcast, um, I have a face for radio. Uh, no, uh, I have a face for radio. People really enjoy my voice. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, it's funny, Z, I got to tell you. Okay. People that listen to the Big Little Podcast, there are things that I say on the show that are like regular things like food metaphor and show notes and, you know, uh, I just have these little beats that I hit. And I was at Capcom this one year and and Zorro uh, came up to me and was introducing me to people and he was like, here's Mako. Hey, Mako. And he kind of like poked me like, like like a vending machine. Say some of the stuff. Do the thing. Say some of the thing. And I was like, Simultaneously, I was like both amused and a little horrified that I had become <laughs> this caricature of myself. This like, you know, you you feed him praise and he performs for you. You know, oh, gosh. Um, right. it's no, it's fine. It's fine. But so I know that people enjoy my voice. OK. And and I like audiobook work. But if I release my books on Audible, I'm going to have the same problem. OK, so I decided to do an experiment. And I started this experiment back in November, which is that I started a what's called a Patreon. A Patreon.com slash Mako Allen, I believe is the URL. If you go to my website onlydoing.net, you'll see links to it all over the damn place. And what I do on Patreon is I write short fiction and I 
release it as illustrated stories and as audio stories I record uh, if you're a patron. And it's not a very expensive thing. For five bucks a month, you can read everything I have that's text and illustrated. For ten bucks a month, you can get all of my audio from, from the beginning of time on there well, November, okay, up to present, which means, and, and the way that I design my content is, is such that you can become a member, pay me your five or 10 bucks, download every last thing I have, you know, onto your hard drive. I don't know if it's going to make that sound. And then <laughs> not new, and boom, you have my whole Patreon catalog for five or 10 bucks and you're done. You don't have to be there. Okay. Just recently, I stumbled upon an even further refinement that I think is going to be my creative direction for good now it's it's a significant departure it's weird and wonderful and i love it okay so what i do is this first off i take my illustrated work and i merge it with my audio to create this sort of dirty reading rainbow effect <laughs> for grown-ups so you're watching this movie of illustrated images illustrated by the magnificent jen solo whose work is sublime okay uh, and as you're watching it, you're hearing the story go on behind it, which is different than photos and different than than video of the action being filmed like a movie, because there's just enough imagery there that you can kind of paint yourself into the picture. And it's very dirty, pleasantly dirty. Right. But not not gratuitously so. And it makes it kind of snap and pop. But you don't have to take my word for it. Okay. Oh, my gosh, which is a reading rainbow thing to say. Um, <laughs> you could go to onlydoing.net, and I have a page there, my audio fiction page, where I actually have some little excerpts of this work. Uh, you can just go and look at them and see how you feel. I've got some other plans for that in the future, too. Plus, I would be remiss if I didn't say I have a new novel coming out. And the world uh, is waiting with drumming fingers. Yeah, I will read you the blurb about the novel. The trick is, is that the novel is not coming out all in one go. It's coming out through my Patreon, a chapter at a time. Hey, there you go. Um, and the, the name of the book, it's called Little Marigold Blossoms. Ooh. And uh, here's the blurb. I'll read it to you now. It hasn't been easy for Marigold. First... When she was just a child, she had to go live with her awful aunt. Then there's the very bad thing that made her run away from home. Eventually, she grew up and found a great guy. They got married, had a kid. Everything seemed just fine. But it wasn't. Marigold realized what she really wanted. She wanted him to spank her. Not just that, either. She wanted him to put her in diapers. And she told him it didn't go so well. But that wasn't going to stop her. Because once she really knew who she was, that was when little Marigold began to blossom. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. See, now that's a really good teaser. It, yeah. uh, it, it uh, whets the appetite and then particularly the way you finished saying it there. You're like, but there's so much more. Yeah. It's not that that's another story. That is the story. Right. And here we go. So, you know, right. That's awesome right there. Thank you very much. You know, so uh, I have a bunch of stuff I want to say about this book. Is this a book with diaper sex and spanking in it? Yeah, it, it is. 
Is it a book about diapers and spanking sex? No, it's not. <laughs> it's actually a book based on the life of a friend of mine. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, because that's kind of on the list, right? Yep. Uh, yep. It's actually a book about dealing with your kink and being in an unsuccessful marriage. Mm -hmm. And what do you do? What happens? How do you deal with the disaster of your life? When you tell your partner, you're like, listen, I don't care about you sticking your dick in me. <laughs> I need you to spank me and diaper me or we're through. Not that that's how it went down. Okay. But that is an option. Okay. There's this sad thing that happens. I've heard this. I've heard this over and over and over again from people that have come on my podcast and people I've met through advocacy where they say they'll be in a relationship with someone and now this is on the table and they split and their whole life becomes polarized. Right. Like, you know how you lose people in the divorce, right? So the more vanilla partner, they go and they gravitate to the vanilla people. And all the vanilla friends of the marriage say, oh, my God, you know, uh, they, they, they wanted that done to them. They wanted you to do this. What a freak, right? And that's not fair because mm -hmm. these people were in love. And just because you're not compatible doesn't mean you're bad, okay? And that same dagger gets planted in the other back too, right? Because now the kinky person goes and hangs out with their kinky friends and they're like, oh, well, it's a good thing you left that, that stupid vanilla dope, you know? Oh, what? He doesn't know how to spank you. What an idiot, you know? Right. Or, oh, right. she wouldn't let you spank her. What a, what a humdrum moron, okay? You, you know you've heard this. You hear it over and over, yeah. okay? But not for Marigold. That's not how it went down, and it doesn't have to be, which is why I, it's such an important book. Yeah, it's a very compelling idea. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. Uh, we're all imperfect, and maybe yeah. some of the best combinations uh, that can ever be found are when you find somebody who, you know, you and that person, you're perfectly imperfect for one another. Oh, yeah. Perhaps, you know, to be metaphorical or whatever. And yeah. It, it was funny um, – I can't remember who it was. I almost want to say it was Road Not Taken. You had the two of them uh -huh. on at one point, and um, she, she says, "Yeah, I, I said here's here's what it was, and I got into this, and then I met Resonant, yes, and then blah 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 blah, and here's what it was all about." And I remember the very next thing that you, you said to her, you were like, "And it happened exactly the way that you thought it was going to happen, right?" <laughs> and her answer was, "No." And that is the point. Like, here's what it is. We built this up and it's so amazing and it's going to be so perfect. And yes, we're going to get the fairy tale and all this other stuff. And, you know, it really doesn't happen that way. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. Right. Well, I mean, that's I an goodness, awesome thing right there. Right. Thank goodness it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. Um, you know, thank goodness I'm able to tell I was able to tell my vanilla domineering ex-fiance about my love for diapers. And she had a conniption fit and walked out of my life. If I had lived in fear of that reaction, I'd still be with her. And the me you're talking to now wouldn't exist. Right. The great news about your life is you have no idea how it's going to work out. Yeah. Or who you're going to meet along the way. And right. sometimes along the way, you see my segue here, <laughs> along the way, um, you run into people who, you know, who you just have this really great click with. You know, just like it's boom, everything is, you know, it was meant to be. That isn't always the case. And this is more than just in the sense of relationships. Oh, sure. But just in general, you come across people that you really don't get along with. Now, right. I, I will very cryptically tell everyone 
about another phone call Mako and I once had. And, uh, I, I said, yes, I tell you what, I said, I'm, I'm kind of being goaded. Here I am trying to promote something on Twitter and blah, 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 blah. And this other person gets on here and says this and blah, 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 blah. And they're trying to get a reaction out of me. Mako's reply was, you're right, so you don't give it to them. It's like, oh, my gosh, they just get on, they, they get on my nerves. And then, and then Mako says to me, he says, Nate, you're forgetting the value of that person. And you know, I, I said, what do you mean? He says, well, it, it's not really value. It, it, it's not even really a judgment call. It's just sometimes people exist. And yeah, you don't jive with them. You know, you don't click. But those people exist to remind you of that very thing. Yeah. Like it, it isn't necessarily here is who you should not be like. But there is something about that person that does not click with you. And understanding what that is. There, there's a level of, of, of merit to understanding it and knowing what to do with it because you have the right to exist and so mm -hmm. do they. So the question is this. What do you do? What do you do with people you don't get along with? Learn from them. That's what you do. The philosopher Alan Watts, who I'm a very big fan of, says this very smart thing. Well said. He's dead now. Um, he says, sorry, Nate, I keep doing that to you while you're drinking. No, it's good. Um, it's good. <laughs> he, he says, all boundaries are held in common. The only, the only way you have a neighbor is because you have a, a fence between you. If you didn't have the neighbor, you wouldn't need the fence. Part of how I know who I am is by knowing who I'm not. Ooh, so that's good. When I meet people in kink circles, or, or frankly anywhere, who are objectionable, who are obnoxious and close-minded, who mansplain things to other people, who <laughs> um, who who, who, who are uh, opinionated, closed-minded bigots, I'm very glad to meet those people because I'm not them. I am more me in opposition to them. Okay, so remember that question, X questions ago, what's something most people don't know about you? Right. Uh, I got another another one. Okay. okay. What most people don't know about me is that my father was a terrible human being. Really, really bad. And when you say, oh, well, how bad is really bad? <laughs> I'll tell you. Among the things that my dad did... Uh, he was serially unfaithful to my mother for over 25 years. Mm. He embezzled a quarter of a million dollars from uh, my grandparents' family business, destroying it. Oh, wait, wait. You think that's bad? Mm-mm-mm. She's, wait, here's the coup de gras. Um, he emotionally blackmailed my entire family into taking care of him and giving him resources by faking having leukemia, which he never did. Oh, my goodness. Right. Okay. I mean, and I could go on for a very long time. There's, uh, he has done many, many, many terrible things to me. Yeah, he's dead now, which is a great goodness. Um, okay. But here's the thing: so people, when I tell people about that, people that know me, right, in my life, they say, "Michael, how are you not like a fucked up nightmare after having this for a father?" Okay. And the answer is. Things happened just the way they were supposed to. You can tell because that's how they happened. Okay. And so many of the things that make me uh, unique, that make me able to do the things I do in my life, you know, help other people in alternative communities and teach self-love and acceptance and compassion come from my relationship and lack thereof 
with my dad. Most people that are fetish folks, notice not all, just most, many, whatever, sure. okay, struggle with, well, you know, if, if Aunt Irma finds out that I like to lick women's feet, then she's going to kick me out of the family. If my, if my mom finds out that I'm bisexual, then they'll, you know, kick me out of college. They won't pay for my schooling and they'll never let me see my little brother. That kind of thing. Okay. I don't have that. I don't have that at all because my father kind of destroyed my family, which doesn't sound like it's a favor, but it was sort of a favor to me. I have relationships with people I'm related to by blood and marriage. Okay. But they're individual relationships. That thing, you know, hey, in Mako's family, here's what we all do. I don't have that. I don't have it at all. I only have it in my family of choice. And because of that, I'm not scared to be judged. Like, don't get me wrong. I love everybody. I really do. But I also kind of don't give one tiny shit what you think of me. My writing, yes. Okay. But like, Mako, you shouldn't be polyamorous. Mako, you shouldn't have a diaper fetish. Mako, you should, you should, you should. Yeah, go fuck yourself. No, thanks. I'm good. I'll, yeah. I'll keep going. Right. And that comes directly from my experience of my dad. He was like a dark gift to me. Often in my life, when I consider like, well, what's a good choice? What should I do? What's the moral ethical thing? I'll think about what my dad would do and I'll do the opposite. Wow. Yeah. There is some serious. God, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, like you took a situation that was rough, not just for you, but for the entire family. And yeah. You not only got something good out of it, but you converted the whole thing into nothing but positives from a oh, negative. Oh, I, I wouldn't say that. There's plenty of negatives. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Ask me sometime how I feel about Christmas. It's a complicated question. You know, <laughs> um, you know I'm you not going to say I okay. got out unscathed, but like, so I have, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Z. I'm going to show it to you now because I can get it on the camera. I have a tattoo on my leg. Have you seen that? Holy Moses. What? Okay. What is that? Okay. It is the first stanza of the first verse of the Tao Te Ching, the book of the way and its power. It's the central book of Taoism. Okay. And I have it on my leg as a, as a reminder to myself. It's a very spiritually significant thing. Um, I'll tell you what it says in Chinese, and I'm, my accent is not great because I only know a little. Okay. And then I'll tell you what it means, like literally, and I'll tell you what it means to me. Okay. What it says... Dao ko dao, be chang dao, ming ko ming, be chang ming, which means literally the Tao or way that you can talk about isn't the Tao. The name that can be spoken isn't the name. And what, what that means is no one tells you how to live. You don't learn it anywhere. You don't teach it to anyone. You just live. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. There's no happy ending. There's no bad ending. There's just what you're doing. The reason my website is called yep. onlydoing.net is because yep. of that. Yep. You don't start anything. You don't stop anything. You just do things, right? So, I mean, it's up to me. Like, I could have let the things that my dad did to me really compromise me for the rest of my life. But I chose to make the effort otherwise, and it was not without cost and not without suffering, right? 
but a lot of good stuff came out of it. You know, not to like break my arm patting myself on the back, because I'm not saying this to like ballyhoo myself, okay? But those emails that I get from people that say I saved their life, they didn't kill themselves, or they didn't their their marriage is okay because they heard the big little podcast or because they read my book or whatever, like that wouldn't have happened if my dad hadn't been an evil, dishonest, mentally ill rat bastard. You know? So it's not for me to say that it shouldn't have been that way. It is that way. It's for me to be present in the moment and use it. That is the overwhelming conceit of my entire existence, is to be in the moment and use it. Wow. I, I, still, I, I still have a level of shock, but that that was wow. About yeah. wow is all I can come up with on that. That's... <laughs> Because I keep looking at it, because, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, there is scathing. It's the whole point of it. It is, in fact, the scathing that created these good things. But right. that could have been uh, could have been the end of you. That, that, that could have been the end of, of Mako before Mako ever came to be. And uh, you could be in a jail right now having killed 35 people and all this other happy right. crap, but you're not. Well, I mean, let me tell you, it very nearly was the end of me. Um, when when all the really bad stuff about my dad came to light many, many years ago, back when I was in college, I'm not ashamed to say, so, so I'm good at a lot of things. I was very, very bad at one thing. I was suicidal, and I didn't succeed, obviously. Um, and thank <laughs> goodness. Bad at thank, okay. Yeah, I'm, it's a, I'm, I'm so glad to be bad at that. I, I would uh, say that's the one thing, hopefully, you know, you're proud of the fact that you're a failure at it. Absolutely. Yeah, I got, right. I got no plans whatsoever to skill up on that business. Here you go. Uh, That's the way you know, it's uh, wow. That's something. Yeah, nice. and I, I go out of my way to talk about it because there's a lot of shame in the world about it, um, and sure. there shouldn't be. You know, it's an overload. Got at the time I was in my freshman year of college. Uh, it was just before my freshman year of college when when this all like started to hit like my dad's mistress called our summer house overseas and I picked up the phone and she talked to me and described the shape of a birthmark on my leg flipping me out uh, and that was like like the beginning of the end and that caused a period of misery that lasted for oh about 12 years before it started to get any better at all um it was it was a pretty bad time in my life but I used it and I still use it um what I mean and I think that's part of what motivates my writing too what, I'm sorry, Ted. What was what was okay? It was you know many years things weren't good. What made things start to get better for you? Like, oh, was gosh. there a catalyst behind? I don't want to say recovery, but catalyst behind the upswing to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, way back when, when I was in college, I was an atheist, and a very particular kind of atheist called an objectivist. If you know what that is. Doesn't ring a bell. It's based on the writing of Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged, and The Fountainhead. It's not a very nice thing to be. Oh, um, okay. And I think partially I was that because I was looking to make black and white ethical poles out of a topsy turvy, crazy life that I had, right? And that was how I was for a really, really long time. And then about 15, 16 years ago, I had this like profound spiritual experience i went to a pagan festival a beltane festival and had this like mind-altering experience that no drugs were involved it just radically changed my perspective and that was when i was exposed 
to these ideas of mindfulness and Zen and Taoism. Um, and at the time, like uh, my, my dad was still around and he was very ill and very poor after having been very wealthy. And I, uh, I was very, very angry with him. Oh, I was consumed with rage. I was a, it made me into a terrible person. Um, wow. Which, yeah, I know. Like to look at me now and the me that you know, like that doesn't even make any sense, right? Yeah. Uh, it's I mean, like, I, you've never known me to be that person. Oh, I, uh, yeah, I, I tortured him mercilessly because I hated him so. Um, and then I had this profound spiritual experience, and it changed my everything. And I resolved as part of my study of Zen and Tao and mindfulness that I would make peace with my father. I attempted to anyway. Um, and he lied to me terribly as he has my whole life and tried to manipulate me. And I just kind of made it very clear to him that I knew who and what he was and I wouldn't allow him to do that anymore, but that I would be there for him as much as he wanted which was uh, thankfully a rather small amount. Uh, and he died. There, there was, it's, it's very sad. Uh, there was a point at which I saw him and then I left him at the home that he was staying in. It's very complicated. Um, and I said to myself, the next time I see him is that he's either going to be in a jail cell or dead. And it was true. Um, but I had made my peace with him and that helped a lot. And I kind of resolved to do good in the world to the best degree that I could, not in reparation for him, but in opposition to him. You know, like, are you familiar with the concept of a carbon offset? Mm, what is it? Okay, a carbon offset is so you have a business that spews a lot of filth in the air, like I don't know, like a chicken rendering plant or a or a sawmill, or maybe you just have some some big boat of a car that belches out smoke and garbage into the air, right? Well, that causes a certain amount of damage to the ozone layer. So what you do to make up for it is you buy acres of rainforest and own them and keep them pristine so that no, they can't be mowed down or built upon. And that way, those trees are scrubbing out of the air the carbon and filth you're putting into it, a carbon offset. Um, okay. Okay. In that same I in that same way, I have this idea about my life that I I live my life to create a suffering offset. I help people at, to the best of my ability to reduce the amount of suffering in their lives and in the world in the ways I know best to do as a means of making up for the suffering that I have previously caused and that my dad caused. Well, OK, I was almost going to go off the list because the guy just had another question that came to mind but then i look down at it i'm gonna skip way down because okay because i think this no this might apply um yeah i'm gonna say four words and it, we'll see um because like everything you're saying there but, uh, yeah let me get back to the question the question i was going to ask you was did you ever feel any need to uh get revenge but before you answer that let me just read yeah. the four words yeah when things fall apart yeah, yeah, okay. Which is a book. An amazing book by an amazing person named Pema Chodron, who's a Buddhist monk. So let's say somebody has had something difficult that they've dealt with. <laughs> sure. 
and uh, uh, you know, the thought of revenge is there. The thought of becoming the Count of Monte Cristo. Right. It's, it, it's sort of a like Count of Monte Cristo was a character who was wrongfully imprisoned. It's a phenomenal book. It's written by the same guy who wrote uh, The Three Musketeers, Alexander mm. Dumas. And it's also a very good movie, too. Uh, mm. But but he, he finds a way to break out of jail, and he figured out who the person was that imprisoned him. And, uh, you know, his life has sort of been turned upside down. And he takes uh, the good advice of, uh, of another co-prisoner who was in there, and he gets out of jail, and he is going to get revenge. It does mm. not matter what you have to say. He is going to get revenge. So a lot of mm. times I'll use that term, you know, someone who is being the Count of Monte Cristo. They are hell-bent yeah. on it. And it doesn't make any difference what you say because it's not going to end for them until dot, dot, dot. Right. All that being said, when you've got somebody in that mindset, now trust me, people do get over that. <laughs> but at the same time... um, and maybe there are folks that are struggling with it. And I'm wondering if when things fall apart, somehow applies. Oh, yeah. So that book that, that we're talking about, it, it's a thin little book. It's maybe like, I don't know, 120 pages. And I have bought the book and given it to many, <laughs> many people o over the years. It's about how we in the West make mistakes and how we relate to pain and suffering. We're convinced that when a bad thing happens, we're finished. We're on the rocks. We're done. It's a shipwreck. It's over. Right? Right. Um, and it's just not true. By the same token, we also uh, – there should be like a, a flip the book upside down, read it backwards version of the book called When Things Are Really Great because it's actually <laughs> the, same the same mistake, right? Right. Because you go, things are awesome, and they're always going to stay awesome. And they're both tenuous positions, um, sure. The, 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 the things are always in motion. Things are always changing. And what seems horrendously painful to you right now won't be eventually. And there's a technique for it that she teaches. It's called leaning into pain. What you do is, is like you turn and you look at the thing that's happening. Okay. Like here, I'll throw myself in front of the bus again. Okay. With my ex, um, you know, well, Mako, you've, you've told your partner that you like to wear diapers and she will now no longer sleep in a bed with you and says she's leaving tomorrow because you're a pervert. Oh, no, I will never, <laughs> ever have anyone again. My life is <laughs> over. She was the perfect partner. No, no, she wasn't. When I turned and leaned into the pain and really looked at it, I saw that I had been unhappy with her for a very long time. I saw that my inability to be open with her about my fetishes was a horrible negative. I saw the fact that I had financially entangled myself with her. And by, by the way, when you're in your early 20s, financial entanglement means you had a lease together and you own some luggage together. <laughs> right. Wah, wah, okay. Pretty much. Uh, pretty much. But when you're that, no, I mean, really, that was like a reason. I remember thinking, like, we have this really nice set of luggage my grandmother got me. I can't break up with her. But what a stupid reason to stay with somebody. Right. Um, you know, that be it 23, I'm a little wiser now. Um, and, 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 and we did break up, right? And, and so the thing is, is like when you lean into it, leaning into pain does not mean that the pain goes away. What it means is that instead of like letting it savage you, letting it bite into you, you turn and really follow it. You say, well, how, what's this going to mean for me? 
What's going to happen an hour from now? What's going to happen a day from now, a month, a year? And eventually you get to this point where you, where you can't answer the question. You're like, well, I'm going to be really sad and I'm going to be single and I'm going to worry and, and I will, I'll spend Christmas alone. And, 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 and you know, okay, what, what about Arbor Day? I don't know. When even is that? You know, like, you don't know. And so what happens is, is that the, the hold of it on you gets less and less and less. It doesn't go away. It just becomes ephemeral. It, in, it's in the present where you are, right? Um, everything that's already happened to you is gone. And everything that hasn't happened to you yet is just a lie, an illusion. It hasn't happened. It might never happen. What's the next word I'm going to say, Zorro? Do you have any idea what it is? Uh, this is... I'm sorry? Who knew? Rutabaga. You know, there was no predicting that. Right. You know, that, that's, that's how life is. Um, so the, the thing, the thing that, that Z is, is hinting at, okay, about this book, which I have shared with him. Yes, which he has. <laughs> many times, okay, mm-hmm. is about this Buddhist idea called samsara, which is, it is the, the cycle of pleasure and suffering in your life where you run toward pleasure and run away toward suffering. And there's a there's a truth, an evil, ugly truth about it that I struggle with every day of my life, and so do you. And I don't just mean you, Z. I mean everybody, which is that often the energy that we expend to try to get away from feeling bad costs us more than just getting on with the feeling bad and moving on to the next thing. If you're worried, faithful listener, about telling your boyfriend that you want him to put you in a diaper. And and if you sit and stew about it and your stomach hurts and you can't watch TV or play with the cat or go to the movies because you're too worried about what Johnny's going to say when you tell him about your diaper fetish, how many days of that suffering are less painful than whatever he might say about it? And if you say it to him and he says, Awesome, Wendy. Now your name's Wendy. I don't know why. <laughs> awesome, Wendy. Here's a diaper. Let's go. You win. And if he says, gosh, Wendy, I don't get it, maybe you can explain it to him. You still win. Or if he says, you know, Wendy, that's not for me, and you're sad for a while, and then you meet somebody else, you still win. You can't help but win. You will only ever be half of something that is perfect for you. And if you don't like the word perfect in that sentence, put in whatever word you'd like. Yeah. But you'll only ever be half of it. And maybe you don't want to be more than half of it. You know, you know, for as much as I I was, uh, I was visiting a friend in Ohio. Uh, Mm -hmm. It is a picture on FetLife. It's a picture I took of a bottle cap. God, I hope I get the words right. Uh, Okay. Because I've used, I've used this in in a lot of things that I've written. I put this into books because I think it's so awesome. The, the basic idea is always give back more than you take. Yeah. Okay. So now th- that there's many reasons why. And once again, this is an opinion. Um, mm. If you give back more than you take, then you will know what it feels like to have somebody take so much from you. If somebody gives to you and you give to them, in that one little thought right there, what's the word I didn't just say? Take. No, t- right. Right. There, then it becomes give and receive. Perhaps right. the fine art of give and receive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a book and a movie based on that book that I just love. 
The book is called Way of the Peaceful Warrior. The movie is just called Peaceful Warrior. Uh, Nick Nolte's in it. It's a great movie. Mm, okay. And there's a thing in, in that movie that a character who's a spiritual teacher says to this other character that's the main character of the movie. He says, there's no greater calling in your life than service to others. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an awesome how I feel about right it. There. That is, that's a very awesome thought right there. I think we just crested a hill. I think we're done. <laughs> yeah, we are actually – We. I, I was looking down through it. I was like, you know, we just talked about a whole bunch of them we had listed here without even saying it. <laughs> that happens, right? Yeah. Well, actually, there's um one other thing I wanted to ask you about because this intrigues me. Yeah, and sure. uh, I, I, the reason why it intrigues me is because I don't know what it is. Okay. okay? Uh, it's way down there at the bottom. Uh can you describe for me, and this is once again a huge thing, like like a ter- the term age play, right? It, right. Um, can you describe for me little headspace? Wow. Whew. It has, okay. it's fascinated the dickens out of me. It, it truly has, because I don't actually know what it feels like. So, in your opinion. Again, I, I, again, okay, uh, I'm going to say this. okay. I will, but first, can you describe what food is like to me? Would you like a cup of tea? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like that, right? Uh, can I describe what uh, – <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. Right. Um, yeah, so, I guess. There's lots but, and lots of ways to be little, okay? Sure. My own experience of little headspace has radically changed over the past several decades – that I've experienced it. When I first uh, started out in my illustrious diaper wedding career, <laughs> um, it was play acting, N- nothing more. I knew I liked the way diapers felt and smelled, uh, and, and you know, on me, I liked the the ritual around them, being put in them, and when I was wearing them, I would act a certain way. And uh, that way was like a pantomime based on my observations of myself as a child and other actual children that I knew. I would intentionally pitch my laugh up to sound higher and I would move my center of gravity so that I walked funny and had to be careful on steps, that kind of thing. Or I would, I'm left-handed, I would write with my right hand so that what I wrote came out, you know, looking all squirrely. And it was, it was a, it was a, a, a trick. But weirdly, early on in there, in that process of acting that way, in that process of of trying to finagle another persona, if you will, I think I carved open a, a new pathway in my brain because this weird thing started to happen to me. I remember that I was over at a friend's house, a friend of mine that was a big uh, and who was like a, a bit of a mentor to me early on. And I was helping him put together furniture on a hot day. And he and his wife, you know, they they tended to treat me like I was a little kid all the time. When I was at their house, I regularly slept in a day bed that they would turn against the wall to make it like a crib. They would always put a bib around my neck and feed me food. Uh, they wouldn't let me have a knife. They'd cut up my food for me. It was very sweet. Okay, so we're in the middle of doing this and having this very adult, you know, Ikea instruction reading thing that we're doing, (laughs) putting these beds and couches and bullshit together, whatever. And it feels like a grown up thing. 
But they kept we kept having these moments where they would talk to me like I was little, and I started to feel like I felt when I was little. And at the end of the day, we're done. It was a hot day. So his wife brought out two bottles of beer, and I went to go drink one. And immediately spat it out all over my clothes because it tasted revolting to me. And I noticed that when I was talking to him that I sounded different and I felt different. You know, originally, it's kind of like to go back to the comic book thing. You know how like Bruce Wayne has his Batman outfit that he uses that he wears when he's swinging around Gotham City punching the shit out of criminals, right? And right. maybe he even has his Arctic Batman outfit that he wears when he has to go beat up uh, polar bears or whatever, right? <laughs> okay. But but inside the outfit, it's still the same guy, right? Sure. Like that was how being little was for me when I started. But after that, it became different. Uh, it became like a mode shift, a change, where I was not entirely the same person anymore. Things felt different to me. My comprehension of things was different. My command of language was different. I, I began to like things differently. Like when I am little, I really love sweets, just cookies and candy and ice cream all day long. But I can't stand carbonated drinks. They uh, hurt my nose. You know, um, you know, apple juice is like the stuff of kings when I'm little. When I'm big, it's kind of sickly sweet and kind of gross. But then that shifted yet further. So I had an ex of mine, my partner, Casey, OK, who used to be my mommy. We're not together anymore. OK. And back when she lived with me and my wife, Missy, she used to encourage that uh, separation of identities she would talk to the little version of me as if it was a different person altogether. Hmm. And as it is written, so it shall be. <laughs> uh, and I've become way, way more dissociative. I'm not going to tell you that big me and little me are entirely different people. We're like a lightning split tree. Okay. At the base, you know, same stuff. But, but in many ways, we're very, very separate. We actually even have different names. I don't know if I've told you that. Um, well, yeah, the name of Mako and then the other name. Is that what you mean? Well, or... right. So, so, well, sort of. Okay. Okay. Like back in the day when I was doing like the Batman Arctic, you know, polar bear puncher way of doing this business, I used to refer to my little as little Mako. Right. Oh. But we don't do that. We don't do that anymore. Okay. There's a concept in Japan called the honorific. An honorific is a, something that you attach to a name. OK, like there's son, which means elder male member of the family. And then there's kun, which means like little boy. So the little version of me is Mako-kun. And the big version of me, the one you're actually talking to now, is Mako-san. And together, by our powers combined, <laughs> we're Mako. Like I'm kind of a committee, <laughs> you know, which is why I need more food <laughs> than, than, than most people. We're, we're, we're kind of a, co a collective, the two of us. And how that has really changed is that back when I was doing my mode switching thing, like I would feel my brain kind of like click over and I'd, it'd be, now I'm the other guy. Now I'm this guy. This one's up front. That's whatever. But, but now in my head, maybe kind of I both occupy my head together, like an apartment. <laughs> and sometimes 
he's the one up front and sometimes I'm the one up front and sometimes it's a mix of the both of us. And that's why I said the food thing to you, because my experience of littleness has changed three different times over the course of my lifetime. And that's just me. Um, And there are a lot of people that get little and don't do it in any of the ways that I have Um, or for whom those separations are very serious things. I have friends who, uh, when they're big, are super duper dirty and super duper dominant, and they're happy to hold you down and do all kinds of things to you and be super sexy with you. But when they're little, they want their binky and their colored pencils. <laughs> and don't touch them. Right. And that's it. And, you know, is is one wrong? Is one right? There's no right. There's just what is. I would assume the same as there are no two age players that I've met yet who see it the same way. Yeah. I would assume there are no two folks who uh, see little headspace the same way. The reason that I ask it, and I, I do it randomly, sure. that right there was fairly random. Yes, it was on the okay. checklist, but uh, it's fine. But the, the reason why I do it is, um, I, I may well have actually, yes, I did. I did call you about this at one point in time. Uh, the idea is it would be neat to know what it feels like because maybe that would give me a different, uh, a, a different perspective of things to, uh, to write about. Sure. I recall, oh, this probably goes back two or three years at this point. Um, very dear friend from, uh, from the New York area. Uh, I'd be on the phone with her one night and, uh, was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm getting ready to write another butt whooping book, right? Another mm-hmm. one of these dark ones. I said, I said, I just kind of wish that there was something more to it. Like, like there was something more that I could put into it. And she said, um, she said, well, you ought to experience it. I said, two words, hell and no. <laughs> and she says now hold on a minute hold on a minute like there, there are so many different levels to it she said what is it about it that you don't like i said pain needles if it hurts it's like i i don't get pleasure out of it she says well then tell you what i'll come down to lancaster and uh we will do a little something that has no pain to it at all it'll be more sensation than anything else i said okay so we did that. This was, in fact, this was the only other woman in the world, aside from my mother and my grandmother and my aunt, who have ever spanked me. But she didn't do it with her hand. She did it with, right. she, she, number one, rolled out this big, long thing of implements. And after she resuscitated me, because I passed out and landed on the floor when I saw it, she right. got me up there. And they, literally, it was, it, it was like the... the size of a toothpick was the one stick and all this stuff. And it literally was just about the sensation. And she tried mm-hmm. the Wartenberg wheel thing and that was something else. Yeah, um, they're great. But literally by the end, it was so weird. It was like, it was like when I was feeling the hitting, like I would tense up and then I'd release and then I would tense up and I would release. And this went on for, I don't know how long. Uh, finally, it got to the point where, where like the, the the motions of tensing up and releasing, tensing up and releasing, were constant. It, it was like a wave. Mm-hmm. And finally, when it started to lessen a little bit, I opened my eyes, and I looked to my left, and she was laying there next to me. She hadn't touched me in fifteen minutes. Awesome. I don't exactly know what that meant, but I re- I recalled the sensations, and that is exactly what went in that book. It's like now there is a perspective I never right. would have known. Absolutely. I never would have known. Don't know as I, I would ever want to do it again, but then again, why not? 
ultimately, will, that was what I was looking yeah. for. I will say that um, I've written about Little Headspace in some of my work. Um, it shows up in the Adam and Christina stories and concerning Littleton some. It shows up in the... Uh, in in the stuff with Wallace, that that that's there a bunch, right? And it shows up in some of the work on my Patreon too. Um, I think that any alternate headspace has some stuff in common with every other. Um, I will say that I think that thing that you experienced is what's called subspace. Um, okay. You you get the endorphin rush from being played with. And in the process of getting that rush, you begin to process sensations differently. And oh, you yeah. kind of leave your body a little. Hmm. When I'm little, I feel a lot of those same things. It's really interesting. Like, you remember what I was saying before, how I don't like crowds in general? Right. Well, for me, the littler me, that's especially true. I'm not a fan of loud, startling noises. They drive him into stark, raving terror. <laughs> Um, loud thunder and lightning are not his friend and objectively like i can look back on those experiences of like him being up front during a big old thunderstorm and it being terrifying and jumping every time you know a bolt hits and i know what's really going on there right Mm -hmm. i can process the memories and the feelings differently later um but in in the moment of it, it's interesting and very different. You know, adults, I want to say, many of us, are a little bit jaded about our experience. You know, didn't been there, done that, ate the sandwich, have the T-shirt, same old, <laughs> wash, rinse, repeat, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the like the jump scare or the, the startle or the, oh, my God, that tastes good. In Little Space, I have that over and over and over and over and over. It really, it's a it's more blessing than curse. I have no idea if this will be the only one-on-one podcast or if it turns (laughs) into a series. I I honestly have no clue. It just seemed like a fantastic idea, and you were the first person I wanted to do it with. So that being said, if I decide to, like, do this again, would you be willing to come back to do a part two? Yeah. Although, let me tell you, dude, we've been recording for several hours. Yeah, we have. We have the shit out of this. (laughs) (laughs) I look forward to listening to it about 144 times before I do anything. Um, Pleasure. And I will tell you, from the very center of my heart, I absolutely cannot thank you enough. But I do have a final thing I have prepared to read. Before we do that, because it doesn't make any difference what, um, what podcast it is, it always sort of ends in, w- with a similar idea. That being mm-hmm. said, can you list every way that people can get in touch with you? Oh, God. Um, not every, but I'll tell you the best ways. Okay, the best ways. The best ways. The best ways are to go to my blog, which is onlydoing.net. Um, I post there all the time. It's got all these different ways to get in touch with me. You can email me. Uh, and you can FetLife mail me, too. I'm Mako, M-A-K-O dot Allen, A-L-L-E-N, at Mac.com. And I'm also just Mako, M-A-K-O, on FetLife, because I got that account real early. Yeah, you uh, did. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm on Twitter, at Mako Allen. And, of course, you can hear me on the Big Little Podcast, which is BigLittlePodcast.com. And you can visit my Patreon, which you can get to super easy through onlydoing.net. There's a nice big fat link right at the top. 
And I guess those are, those are the ways. You've done, um, what was the name of the, it was uh, Loving in Brief? Yeah, Love in Brief. It's Resonant Love Yes's new podcast. And I'm on, well, one so far, but there's several more coming. Yeah, there's more, there's, you're in high demand. That's for sure. <laughs> I will also oh. tell you that, um, Mako appears on, uh, was it episode two of the Crinkle cast, if I'm not mistaken? I, yeah. Two or, see, the thing is, I should know that. I don't. Of course not. Yeah. You think I'm prepared? <laughs> Forget it. Well, um, that being said, um, parting words, I would love to, to part with this. And if I ever do this again, perhaps this is what I will always say. And I'd love to put this on a T-shirt, but you'll see that it's way too long for that. The font would be like size 12, and nobody wants that to squint to read a T-shirt. But I'll leave you with these thoughts. Please remember, there are always dreams to be dreamt, fairy tales to be told, happily ever afters to be pursued, memories to be made, that constant yearning to find completion, the greatest passion yet to be found, that deepest love yet to be discovered, that perfect story to be written, and the opportunity awaiting to feel it all, again and again. Blessings to you all. Until next time, take care.